The following episode of the Remembrancer's Retreat contains spoilers for Alfarius, Head of the Hydra, The Siege of Terra, and other novels. The galaxy is burning. Brother fights brother. And treason splits the Imperium of Man. This is the Age of Darkness. Welcome to the Remembrancer's Retreat. Coming to you from within the depths of the Vengeful Spirit. Welcome to another episode of the Remembrancer's Retreat, a Warhammer 30k Horus Heresy podcast. My name is Jesse. I'm here today with Jason, Stephen, and Jared on the phone. What's up, guys? Hello. What is going on, crew? And this is the first episode of our Legion Focus series. Woo! Starting with our Patreon-picked Legion, the Alpha Legion. Wow. The sneaky ones. Excellent choice. This episode, we'll be talking about the lore of the Alpha Legion. We'll be discussing uh, gameplay in Horus Heresy 28mm and uh, Battlefleet Heresy. And uh, if you got any questions, be sure to send them to us on Facebook, and we'll do our best to answer them. Let's talk about the Alpha Legion. Jason, you seem the most prepared because you've got a small book of notes. So <laughs> I do. Um, I've got a stack next to me. You just can't see it. <laughs> But let's give an overview of the Alpha Legion. So, so uh, the Alpha Legion as a whole are widely known, quote unquote, uh, to be the last Legion found uh, under mysterious circumstances, and generally thought of to be, you know, infiltrators, saboteurs, operatives, uh, known to to be really into this infiltration technique known as the harrowing where weeks months even years ahead of openly approaching a planet they will seed it with operatives to destabilize the cultures therein to uh yeah help bring that planet into compliance before they ever set foot upon it by screwing with absolutely everything from politics to infrastructure to local economies, anything they can get their uh, little uh, power armored hands on. Uh, yeah, with a debatably color schemed power armored hands into. Which, too, uh, I really love in, um, shoot, was it the third black book? That uh, first introduced the Alpha Legion? Ex- yeah. Uh, yeah. Ma- no, not Massacre. Extermination? Uh, extermination. Yeah. yeah. Got it right here. Exceptional. I really love how they have some blurbs in there and some of the color palettes where they straight up say, uh, the Alpha Legion have been seen in like a dozen different color schemes. Uh, go nuts. Yeah. <laughs> we think this is them, but uh, who knows? Yeah. Uh, if you guys will remember way back in the actual novel series to Legion, uh, they're, they're actually described uh, by Dan Abnett, and I mean, his opinion is probably better than yours, in <laughs> purple power armor with silver trim. And as cool as that sounds, I have never seen that on the table. So if they can be purple and silver, go nuts, guys. Make like, it happen, kids. Yeah, make yeah. it happen. Like, personally, mine are, um, oh gosh, what's um, Omegon's stealth squad called? The Afrit? That yeah. sounds right. Uh, so mine are like a darker blue and black with a uh, steel trim. And then just because 
I wanted to try it, a bright ass neon green for like spot colors, like, you know, sure. power weapons, lenses, plasma weapons. High visibility. Kind, yeah. Kind of lends to their logo in the 40K universe too. Yeah. A little homage to that. Exactly. True sons of the Hydra. And they wear beaky armor. I don't care what anybody says. Oh, yeah, they definitely do. You can make a beaky armor uh, Alpha Legion group when the new box set comes out. Yeah, you yep. can. Bright purple armor, silver trim, beakies. Let's that do it. That sounds fun. That actually some, sounds pretty fun. Yeah, but that sentence just made so many nerds mad. Speaking of making nerds mad, uh, we're totally going to talk about Alfarius, head of the Hydra today, and I am pumped. I'm excited. Because I know that there's weird stuff happening in it, but I don't know what any of it is. So this is all just nope. genuine reactions. Oh. I've been trying to press through it uh, last night and this morning. Got halfway through it, but I'm okay with spoilers. Oh, it's I the am. audio equivalent of an unboxing video. Yeah, I am excited, you guess. Isn't that an audiobook? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but yeah, where do we want to kick off first? Um, I'm biased, but... I want to talk about this novel because right. hands down, it's my favorite in like the last couple years. And that's oh. not. That's a span of time that includes Betrayer. Yeah. Is it? Wait. He hasn't read Saturnine though, kids. For our listeners at home, he oh, hasn't read Yeah, that's true. I have not read Saturnine yet. So missing out on. Yeah. I mean. I did manage to slog through the Solar War. Ah, finally. Have you read Lost in the Damned at least? Nope. Good mm. God, man. Have you done any footnote spoilers online? Or you just kind of... No. Just, you just raw dog in Siege of Terra? Yeah, I am. <laughs> uh, John French has made it a bit of a barricade to get over. I, he's... Apropos, I, considering the whole Imperial Fist thing. <laughs> this is what I deal with on a daily basis, people. I want y'all to know this. This is, this is what I have to put That's up with. the way he writes loyalists. Every day. He's absolute. Well, I don't know what happened, because no joke, Templar is my favorite audio drama from uh, the Horus Heresy series in mm -hmm. Black Library. It is damn good. And I think I was trying to figure this out, like, short term before, like, coming over here. So I'd have something intelligent to say besides just like, did John French fist writing bad? Because <laughs> uh, I really don't like to do that. I like to try and look at things from both directions, even if I really don't agree with something. I think what I really like about Templar, even though it's I typically don't like how John French writes Imperial Fists, is because he makes Sigismund look really flawed. And I think that makes him a much cooler character because of it. Because in what made the first book in Siege of Terror really difficult for me is it made Sigismund look too much like this perfect, super cool guy that wears sunglasses and never looks at explosions he walks away from. Yeah, he's he's but, a Matt Ward ultramarine it, is the way it kind of feels. He matches his uh, profile character on the actual. However, yeah. Jared. You mean he acts like his rules? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit, yeah. He's um, like the best fighter because, you know. Ah, but, 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 see, that's the thing. He may not be. Yeah, I've heard this argument before. Yeah. and It's, it's bullshit. A, it's a good argument because it's there. It's not just set in stone. And I think that's what's cool about it. Now, so, I like Sigismund as character. He's terrific. See, when now I'm running into spoilers because I'm going to say things I should. When he's flawed. Spoil away. Doesn't matter. 
So I don't want I don't want to do that to Jason because I'm always the guy who does that to people apparently, <laughs> and I don't want to do that. So, Actually, you don't want Saturday Night spoiled. I mean, I don't mind. I don't care oh, about spoilers. Oh, here we go, Lord Almighty! All right, but this is not a Sigismund episode. Yeah, <laughs> no. happily, all right, happily. sorry, all right. Okay. <laughs> that's the thing. Is it here? We go. <laughs> back go to back. Alpha back Legion. To okay. All right, sorry, that was my bad. Anywho, all right, back on topic. Right. Alfari's head of the Hydra. Damn good book, probably. Uh, hands down, my favorite in the last couple of years at a black library. Who wrote that one? Uh, Mike Brooks. And not one of Black Library's like big heavy hitters out of nowhere. Well, what's odd is I don't think he's done heresy stuff before this because he's done some 40k stuff, like he just did uh, Brutal Cunning and he did, um, shoot, uh, I think it's called Rites and Passages, it's about like navigators in 40k. Oh, hmm. really? He did that book, yeah. Oh, that so he's sucks. yeah, he's brand new as far as Black Library goes. That book was hot, steamy garbage. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> like I, I went in really excited about that book because, like, hey, this is a totally unique thing. For, you know, there's mm-hmm. no books about navigators. Sorry, navigators aren't bolter porn. I don't know what to tell you. Oh, it was it, it was just so. Eh, it was just just it was like a sandwich with no nothing in it. Oh, so it's just like you're going into a you know. An area with a bunch of, uh, you know, astropaths and just sitting down and, okay, so this just, is how it works. Huh. I mean, totally they can't all be winners. Yeah. No, no. They, it, it was, it felt like an extremely mediocre Inquisition book. Moving on. <laughs> this is definitely a winner, though. Okay, uh, okay. Head of the Hydra is exceptional, and it reveals cool new things about the heresy at large, and it does it in a way that doesn't feel over the top or forced or not earned and it doesn't do it in a way that seems shoehorned in there the first thing that it kind of changed that i absolutely loved absolutely loved because i can speak uh i'm just excited forgive me uh horse was not the first primarch found by the emperor what uh what it was <laughs> Alfarius. He was found the first day. Yeah. <laughs> like the first day of the Great Crusade. He was like, found on Terra. He was found on yeah, yeah, yeah. Terra? Yes. Yeah, like, in his backyard. In like his... The emperor's like, kicks open the door. Ah, what a great day to start the Great Crusade. Hey, who's that? No, no. You remember back, um, Steve, you love the word bearer, so I know you've probably read First Heretic a million times, right? Uh-huh. You're, the whole, like... Uh, deal with Argyll Tall, like, breaking the timeline by going back in time. Yeah. And it's like, you know, pow, Primarch project explodes into space. Right. Uh, Alpharius explodes, like, his explosion was a dud. Yeah, Yeah, this rocket just kind of whittles out five feet out. Yeah, it's appropriate. It's July 4th. So, I mean, like, his little bottle rocket goes like, (laughs) pew, pow. And, yeah. Some techno barbarians, or well, it was twice as heavy as everybody else's. So I mean, yeah. oh, that's true, I guess. Ah, I mean, ah, but it wasn't. wasn't. <laughs> they weren't both discovered at the same time. They were not. Oh shit! Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but we'll get to it. So uh, that made some nerds big mad. Um, yeah, but screw those guys. Who cares? Yeah. Why, why would that? Why would you be mad about that? I uh, don't care about mad nerds. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I never heard anyone complain about it. But then again, you could also say that it's like the rule thirty-four of anything. Oh, this made nerds bad. 
Oh, yeah. Okay. I, it exists. Okay. That that is. Ex- all right. Maybe I don't explore the internet too deep, but I didn't. <laughs> I didn't hear anyone really complain. You just live in your yeah. best life over it's there, true. Jesse. It's true. Blissfully ignorant. That, that's more than fair. Maybe I just tone it out. I don't know. Anyway. So. Yeah, Alfarius uh, found the very same day within 24 hours. 24 hours of the crusade starting or 24 hours of the Primarch project exploding? The latter. To be fair, was he found or did he like just turn up, you know, at a time of his choosing? Pretty found, it seemed like. I think it was like some soldiers or some, I thought it was techno barbarians at first, but I could be wrong. They found, you know. Like scavengers. Yeah, they were kind of sneaking around and saw this and it's like, oh, shit, that's. You know, the emperor's stuff. Yeah. And then the emperor uh, shows up. Yeah. Like not it's like oh you know, custodians, not yeah. imperial just like the emperor's like, hey, beat it. And they're like, <laughs> Shit. That's mine. Go away. <laughs> hey son. So so how's the ride? Real quick, we can now add Alpharius to the list of Primarchs who didn't conquer the world they landed on. That is a fair criticism. He did not. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he'd have to outdo the emperor, and that's a he, tall order. He, he, he could outdo no. Dorn. We can't. Uh, yeah, no, even Horace happening. couldn't do that. Yeah. Oh. God no. Past that, uh, which is something I absolutely love, which is probably my favorite point in the book that I just kept coming back to. That like I was so excited to talk about it, but I really didn't want to ruin it for anyone. Alfarius was present at almost. Every single point that the emperor welcomed a Primarch back into the Imperium. Yeah. <laughs> All of them? Except Angron. And he was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I wasn't there. Yeah. I'm, I'm not <laughs> mad I missed it. So, wait. So, Angron could have hit instead of hit, wait, wait. <laughs> he could His whole slave army could have been saved if Alpharius had been there to be like, hey, maybe, maybe we should go down there. And. Or although, given that he's not mad that he missed it, he might, eh, maybe, who knows. I mean, it's not like there was any saving Angron at that point. The nails are already in his head. That is yeah. what it is. He is not fixable. Now, the interesting part, not only was Alfarius present at pretty much, he specifically mentioned he was present with Russ, he was present with Dorn. Korax and the lion. The lion was the closest to figuring out he was there, and he was present as part of their the Primarch's own interplanetary retinue. So, like when Russ showed up, like which just puts that scene at the beginning of Wolfsbane in a completely new light, where Russ and like you know his um. Yarls that end up in the 13th company. They're like, they're just, you know, dicking around, like trying to scare the Imperial servants uh-huh. and everything. And then Horus and the Emperor are like watching him, like, ugh, barbarian. And it's like, no, son, you'll learn to work with him because he is the second of your kind and important. Remember, Alpharius is one of those Yarls fucking around with the Imperial servants. What a dick. <laughs> <laughs> and he was so good at it, Russ couldn't tell. So, so Alfarius was there, yes, doing Primarch shit with other Primarchs, but the other Primarchs didn't know he was. Yeah. So it mentions uh, in the Alfarius book that ah, suck it, Dorn. <laughs> that while he while he cannot be like become invisible, like say Korax, uh-huh. blend into shadows, he has 
the ability to become anonymous. Yeah, not one of the group, one of the crowd. That is his like overseen. I mean, and and uh, what shit? Uh, what's that? The Raven Guard, Deliverance Lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like a servitor, like a like an ogre-sized servitor or something. Like he he just kind of hangs out and then you know ruins the Raven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that checks out. Man, Alpharius could have just like crushed Erebus's head like a pimple and saved us a whole lot of trouble. Maybe so. Him and Corferon. He does mention that he was not a big fan of Lorgar. Well, who is? <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not Warbearers players. Literally nobody. <laughs> now, what I do think is interesting and another kind of one of my favorite like little points that doesn't make a whole lot of difference, but still I think we got to touch on it. Uh, without a doubt, Alpharius's favorite other Primarch is the Lion. He's just kind of a lion fanboy, isn't he? Yeah, he is. And it's terrific because on no less than four separate occasions in the novel, he mentioned, like, this is the only other guy in this whole deal I think understands, like, the sacrifice and the effort it takes to really get the job done, to really understand how far you got to go for the Imperium to get done what the Imperium needs done. And it's terrific that he's just like secretly like, you know, a huge fan of the lion for the lion. Yeah. (laughs) And that's actually one of the big reasons why throughout the Great Crusade, uh, the Alpha Legion never revealed themselves uh, because he doesn't. A lot of what they're doing starting off is the insurgency tactics that they're good for uh, destabilization at large on a planet and they're not doing it for themselves they're seeding planets with agents ahead of other legions in the great crusade in order to make their jobs easier Uh, they specifically call out um planets that dorn uh perturabo and um oh uh flappy uh sanguinius Flappy birdman have taken over that uh would have given them like huge problems uh, except that the Alpha Legion were there months ahead of time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So we're saying that Perturabo took a planet already prepped by the Alpha Legion and, you know, probably lost, you know, what, a third of his legion doing it. Still. I mean, sounds like Dorn did too, but all right. It, Pot, meat, kettle. You know, I'm pretty sure the uh, casualty figures for the Imperial Fist Knee, Iron Warrior, should be not even comparable. Well, it, yeah, but, I mean, Dorn got a star this. for it episode <laughs> <laughs> alpha legion okay 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 fair fair you can't you can't you can't do this and, and not expect J- jared to some degree but i will keep us in try i'll keep us in line and i mean you're trying that. god bless you um but the the reason i bring that up is because the alpha legion aren't known as a legion at large uh, they're still the 20th legion at this point uh, nobody knows their Primarch still exists or is even alive. Definitely not that he's been found. Uh, his Alpharius has spent his entire time basically uh, plumbing the defenses of the Imperial Palace and hanging out with Malkador. Uh, his only job at this point starting out is to see how long he can go before Valdor figures out he exists. Mm-hmm. And it is entertaining as hell 
It's basically Malkador's challenge to Alpharius. Yeah. It's like, consider this your test. See how long you can roam around the palace without Constantine Valdor realizing get out that you're there. here. And let me tell you, just like the Benny Hill-esque <laughs> antics uh, that, well, I mean, Benny Hill, if he murdered people. <laughs> and we don't know he didn't. Uh, right. You're I mean, not wrong. Probably. That Alpharius has to go through to... But just the payoff of just this one head nod from Constantin Valdor being knocked down a peg is worth the entire first third of the book. So you're saying is Alpharius invented the blood games? Yes, he did, actually. <laughs> and it was really funny. I remember reading it and being like, guys, I think Alpharius invented the reason why they needed the blood games and then like i kept reading and, like two pages later it was like after this the custodian guard invented the blood games and i was like oh okay <laughs> but uh yeah so alfarius's entire plan starts with him uh, posing as like a transportation construction worker uh influencing a bunch of well first he uh gets a dude from a transport convoy killed uh, you couldn't just get him vacation, Alfarius. You had to kill him. Uh, if he went on vacation, he could talk about that vacation. Alfarius is still a dick. He might be. Oh uh, yeah, no. Interesting. <laughs> At no point, don't do not assume I'm saying he's not a dick or a great person. He definitely is. But so he gets himself put onto this um, transportation convoy in this dude's place. Fakes his own death by buying off a bunch. I mean, let's be honest. They're Mad Max road bandits. Uh, they He pays these road bandits to attack his own convoy, fakes his own death. And because he's now dead, allegedly, he can sneak into the loading docks of the Imperial Palace by hiding in like Indiana Jones style uh, in a crate of supplies that the custodians think they're too smart to have like scanned. It's hilarious. The custodians are like shipping in wet, you know, weapons uh -huh. and they think like, Oh, well nobody's going to fuck with a custodian, which is something <laughs> that they're right. <laughs> they are not wrong. And it's a theme that bites them in the ass no less than three separate occasions. That sounds like a that sounds like the title card for Always Sunny in Philadelphia. The gang <laughs> fucks with a custodian. <laughs> That's basically the first third of the book. Um, so Alfarius, uh, because nobody wants to essentially card a custodian, uh -huh. uh, he manages to sneak in. Um, a custodian finds out that he's in there. Alfarius kills said custodian takes his armor and because nobody wants to stop and ask a custodian what he's doing right, for ID or anything. Yeah. Nobody's going to stop and ask a custodian for ID basically just has run of the palace until the custodians figure out that one of them has been killed. And in part it's because Alfarius can't like, doesn't know the dude's entire like 400 syllable name. Right. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> Which one's that one? Uh, I'm Jim. I, I'm new. <laughs> one thing I noticed uh, reading through this book is several times Alfarius, because it's all written from first person perspective, mm -hmm. and Alfarius will stop himself, pause, like, look, don't take this the wrong way. <laughs> don't, yeah, I don't want you to think that I think these guys are completely stupid, but they're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I mean, no disrespect. 
But they're idiots. <laughs> what is this? this is just human nature, and human nature is dumb. What, what is this, a Seinfeld episode, but a, but a Primark book? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> like, just Cosmo Kramering through the Imperial Palace. There are a couple times he's like, I don't want to sound arrogant, but humans can only go so far. Uh-huh. And I mean, at the one point, he's right, but he absolutely sounds like a dick I, i'm i'm sure he is a dick <laughs> just putting that out there oh yeah it's kind of funny that you mentioned the harrowing on behalf of other legions right because at one point gilliman confronts alfarius later in the harry scene is like why why do you you cause so much unnecessary damage i don't like your tactics and it's like well you know what i wonder how many of your planets were won because the alpha legion were there before and just like made it easy for you hmm yeah. Alpharius' fingerprints are on how many worlds in the Ultramar? Whole bunch. All of them. Whole bunch. And a f- call back to you, Jared. I believe that Primarchs really do need an extra special rule of being a dick. Because <laughs> I think that's just base part and parcel with their... Uh... Everybody fails their leadership check around a, around, a, around a Primarch. Just he's... Man, Horus is cool, but he's such a fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he is. Uh, actually does get knocked down a peg. Uh, Mike Brooks does not differentiate between knocking down loyalists and uh, traitors in this. Oh. It's kind of nice. Uh, breath of fresh air. Yeah, it really is. He Nice that someone other than Lorgar gets dunked on repeatedly. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, but yeah, Constantin Valdor definitely gets a dunk on because uh, they... So the end of that whole uh, trials and tribulations of murdering a custodian just to see how close he can get to the emperor... Uh, and thus accidentally making the custodians come up with the blood games, uh, ends with uh, the Emperor, Valdor, and uh, Malkador coming off a giant, you know, of course, bright-ass golden stormbird uh, on a landing pad at the top of the Imperial Palace, and, um, you know, Alfarius observing them all like uh, Shinobi-style from the shadows, and uh, then he and Valdor have a big, uh, like, I don't know, like a big Raruni Kenshin, like, sword fight. Sick. Really? <laughs> right. Huh. I haven't gotten to that point yet, but that sounds... Does Valdor kick his ass because I feel like Valdor? He doesn't? Uh, it's interesting because it's not outright stated, but what we know about custodian weapons, they're gene-locked. The mm-hmm. only person we know that's unlocked it is Argyll Tall. And I'm sure Alfarius could figure it out at some point, but he's essentially had a custodian, non-powered custodian spear for the best part of like an hour, maybe. Uh, so he's fighting Valdor with a custodian spear, and he's not armored. And he's keeping up with Valdor. Like, he's... To the point he can analyze Valdor's moves and think like, huh, got to speed that up a bit or that's going to lop my head off. Oh, don't want to do that. I'm going to lose a finger there. So he's the dude from Ragnarok. I mean, a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's pretty great. And uh, then the emperor, of course, is like, no, stop this nonsense. What's going on? And uh, Alfarius is like, well, uh, the whole deal was... uh, your buddy Malkador told me to see how long I could uh, screw with Valdor and uh, see how long I could go without um, him figuring out I existed. And I guess this long? And <laughs> the answer is this. 
Uh, Valador was today years old when he figured out I existed. <laughs> and uh, like at that point, like Valdor admits via like stoic head nod that he may have overlooked a few things. Uh, maybe. <laughs> and then the blood games were formed. I also find it interesting in a like a little mini chapter, Alpharius talks about uh, Valdor, how he believes that he's practically gene coded to not disobey the emperor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As opposed to like from his observations, like Valdor cannot refuse an order from the emperor, which if you read Constantine Valdor, the novel, you kind of lead to believe that. Yeah, that's probably yeah. true. Oh, yeah. That's a really good point. Thank you for reminding me about that, because I think that's the same little aside where he mentions, like, the possibility of the Primarchs mm -hmm. and why they were created. Because people ask, like, uh, if the Emperor created the Custodians and they're just, like, genetically loyal, why are the Primarchs all screwy and all over the place? Alfarius makes a really good point. He think His theory that he hints at is maybe the Emperor was planning for when he would no longer be around to give orders or be fanatically loyal to and kind of needed some beings to think on their own. Mm -hmm. Like maybe if he ascended to godhood, perhaps? Yeah. Like, I mean, at that point, it I doesn't, mean, well, I wouldn't say that because if that's the point, then why would he need people to think for themselves if he's a god? Well, I think because in the 40, 30K like mythos, like quote unquote gods aren't... Aren't quite... Omnipotent, or yeah, omniscient, yeah. Like, because I mean, corn. Like, look at corn. Like, corn's a god, but corn can't just like wave his uh, hand. The chaos gods aren't gods, according to Dan Abnett. God in quotation with an asterisk, whatever you want to do. Well, yeah, they've like, been called gods for it's since the eighties. That's what they are. And yeah. as Jason said his opinion is probably better than ours. Yeah, shut up, yep. Dan Abnett. You're dead but, to me. <laughs> but I mean, when we're saying God in the forty thirty k mythos. And we're saying, like, the emperor ascends to godhood. It would be, like, the kind of god that is understood to be a god in the 4030K mythos. Gotcha. So, like, in his ascendancy to godhood, it would be that sort of being that is considered a god. So, I mean, he would not have absolute potency. He would need... Some demon agents. Princes. Yeah, yeah, his version. Yeah. And, again, I mean, it's kind of been, like, my thought from a really long for a long while like i mean i'm sure all D, D players are really well acquainted with you know law versus chaos along with um good versus evil i think um there's not really any good versus evil in warhammer it's all law versus chaos i think the emperor is the exact same sort of being as the chaos gods he's just a, law yeah he's a being of law he even Order. he consumes souls in the exact same way just for law. I mean, even to the point he needs exactly 1,000 per day. I mean, how much more lawful and regimented can you be than an exact number in an exact time frame? I mean, those are ballpark numbers. <laughs> but still, well, that's the general idea. You know, the UPS guy might, you know, drop off a, uh, you know, you know, might put him in the wrong spot or... You know. I'm, I'm pretty sure the, the sisterhood hat keeps... Uh, keeps him well stocked. Yeah, I'm sure... To, Sisterhood keeps oh, a calculator out there. And, uh -huh. There's a there's just one sister at the door with a clicker. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. There's all right. We need one more. Yeah, we're good for the day. Everyone else go home. 
Only 1,000 people are getting the Emperor's autograph today, and then you'll never see them again. 999. (laughs) 1,000. Green light. Okay, hit the button. Yep. But, um, so that's kind of the first and second thirds. Um, So about, probably about halfway through, I think, is when Alpharius kind of catches wind of there being one last Primarch. And this is about the time... It's that and his fascination with the lion is where he decides that his sort of coming out is going to be uh, during the third Rangdon campaign. And it's really neat. Um, oh, shoot. I can't think of the name of the story. Uh it's in the latest uh, compilation, right? Scions of the Emperor. Yeah, yeah. I know which I know which book you're talking about. But it's the last story in the book. It's essentially from the First Legion point of view instead of the yeah. uh, Alpha Legion point of view of the same like meeting of the Alpha Legion, and it was bonkers at the time because uh, this being calling himself Alpharius shows up, and it was like uh, Alpharius hasn't been discovered yet. Like, what's the deal? Uh, And this explains that deal uh, pretty well. So he meets the lion. Uh, The lion is actually, well, technically not the lion. Uh, It's actually uh, Alahos is the first First, person other than like Valdor, Malkador, the emperor uh, that knows Alpharius exists in the universe. Now, uh, in the short story, it is a different dark angel. That meets him. It's not Alahos. Um, it's an assault captain. I can't remember what his name is. <sighs> I'm a bad professor. I can't get to it right now, but yeah. No worries. <laughs> but um, yeah, so he uh, he meets with the lion. Uh, he tells the lion, like, uh, is kind of, you know, halfway between, uh, you know, calculation and flattery. Like, uh, I think you're basic, you know, uh, our legion thanks to your legion is the only other legion that understands what uh, needs to be done in the Imperium. And uh, we feel like this is going to be the one place that will truly test us in the same way it's tested your legion. And also there might be another Primarch, um, <laughs> by the way. So uh, the lion takes this all in stride. And uh, welcomes them grudgingly a little bit uh, on board. But he doesn't give the whole thing over to the Alpha Legion. Oh. I understand. Well, yeah. But, I mean, when does either Legion ever? Well, if I remember that story right, because it's been a few months. But I think they asked, hey, just just leave. Yeah. We got this. The Alpha Legion has this. Lion's like, no, there's this thing called duty. And I'm kind of all about that. <laughs> right. It's like, no, we're not, we're not checking out. Like, do you know anything about the first Legion? Like we're a bunch of fanboys. <laughs> you sure don't know much. <laughs> fucking posers. <laughs> oh man. But, um, the other really, really terrific part in the last third of the book. So, um, well, the last big reveal, I guess. So, I mean, it, Pretty much, like, everybody gets, he's going to find Omegon at the end. Like, that's not a... Yeah. And that, that short story is called uh, First Legion by ah. uh, Chris Rate. <laughs> really uh, stretching on the title there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thanks, Chris. Terrific writer. Not very imaginative on those titles, though. <laughs> so, um, 
But Omegun? Yeah. Is he the last Primarch? Is he uh, the guy? He is, actually. So we all knew that was going to happen. What we did not know... Um, so, oh my... Jesse, you were on a Heresy Grad School with us when we were talking all that business about the Rangda. Yeah. We still don't really know what's up with the Rangda. There's still kind of a little bit of a void. Mm-hmm. The only people who know are some firewing dark angels on some outpost in the far reaches of the galaxy. And Mike Brooks, he does, uh, he does, uh, honeypot us a little bit. Damn it. Mike Brooks. (laughs) Uh, we don't find out about the Rangda. I will tell you straight up, uh, cause Alfarius shows up, um, to this planet that he's positive is going to have some Rangda. There are no Rangda. Uh, there are slot. Like the big giant crazy psychic mag, the uh, maggot men. Yeah, the maggot men. Stevens having a little conniption over here. Oh, yeah, no. And what fucking suck? Yeah, they do. And what's terrific is you know before this, I mean, they're definitely a little. There are a few descriptions in like really old rogue trader stuff and kind of hinted at a bit. Yeah, uh, they do not fiddly fart around. Like it's not like oh, there's one in the shadows that you catch a glint. Fucking Alfarius gets in a fist fight with one. There's like, they do not shit around. Like no maggot men fuck around. On, not fist at all. Cuffs, fist of cuffs. Yeah. No. Um. They pulling furniture out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And they are pretty. Uh. They're pretty brutal. They have this very dystopian sci-fi like neil blomkamp sort of feel to them you know how he's really big on like those murderous alien races that just want to harvest humanity yeah 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 they definitely have that idea going for them uh they even have like this massive like um this uh big crazy like harvester beast that just like suctions corpses oh just like a like a roomba but for Dead yeah, people. Yeah, basically. And with legs. Um, the Alpha Legion fight it. Uh, it's pre- And again, like, it's no fiddly farting around. It's like 100% like, these are these dudes that you've only heard like little whispers and stories of. Uh, they're right up in Alfarius's face. He grapples with one. It 100% is a match for him in strength. Like, Oh, no. And it is psychic. Uh, he blows a hole through one with a plasma pistol and it just like annoys it. Uh, It's good times. And so he ends up, his ship gets uh, shot to shit in order to like teleport them to the planet. Mm -hmm. And he's like having this, like sitting in the teleport crucible uh, with his landing squads. He's like having this tense back and forth with the pilot and the pilot's like, uh, I can only get you there with like 40%, uh, like 40% possibility of like accurate teleportation right now. We're talking 60% of like. Some of you are going to get Lysandered. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And like the Majos chimes in and it's like, actually, it's like 84.5% of critical teleportation errors. And Alfarius is like, Give me the minimum distance for 20% critical error. (laughs) (laughs) And the pilot's like, sir, I don't know if we can hold together under that. 75%. (laughs) 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 But anywho. He's trying to get a C plus on the... (laughs) Right. He's like... (laughs) 
It's like, what's the minimum distance I can both get to the planet, not into the planet, <laughs> and also not have the ship shot out from around me? Because apparently uh, slot ships are more than a match for Imperial ships, one-on-one uh, -on -one in the void. Uh, very reminiscent of, uh, if you guys have ever read the um, original Halo novels, like Reach and whatnot. Yeah. Um, when the humanity uh, first, you know, meets the covenant and it's just not even. Not even yeah. a fight. Yeah. It's not even a fight that they managed to let the one weapon they have, like the Mac cannons can puncture covenant shields, but it's like, they just blow a hole through the ship and it doesn't care that much. And then the human ships get wiped out by like giant plasma bombardments. Be like that sometimes. Yeah. And like the only recorded human victory that's like hailed as like this massive triumph was like a seven to one, like just human ships dogpiling <laughs> covenant ships with like this god awful like casualty rate. Kind of the same deal. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, anyhow, uh, they do get to the planet. Uh, they fight a slot dude and a giant harvester. Uh, Alpharius ends up losing his landing party one by one to finally get to Omegon. Uh, he and Omegon uh, bond over Wait, killing. Omegon's down there amongst the slot? Oh, yeah. He is uh, basically made like a guerrilla war against them. Like, because Omegon has essentially, like, caught wind of Alpharius, and they've been working their way towards each other across the galaxy. Okay. All right. It's good times. All right. Some Wonder Twins going on there. It's mm -hmm. good times. You say caught wind, like, in a psychic yeah, type of Yeah, kind Because they both, they both get, like, this hint of, like, the hell is that? Mm. Oh. Like, that kind of looks like me. Yeah. Like, it's, because they describe it as, like, this feeling of completeness that mm -hmm. they're wor both working towards. It's That's mentioned sweet. in That's Torian of Dorn too. And it's true, yes. <laughs> as soon as they get together, it's like they are instantly like clicked and they fill in like when they're fighting the slot individually, they were almost a match one to one, but now that they're together, they've filled in like the gaps in each other's fighting style like they've been fighting together for decades. Mm. And they just instantly click and like Rambo their way through a whole bunch of them. Uh, Did somebody say you complete me? Because this is what it sounds like. <laughs> oh yeah, a thousand percent. It is. <laughs> Do the they like best. kiss on the lips? Because I, I feel like that's what we're going towards here. No, Jared, that's incest and it's gross. Don't be weird. Yeah, I, Jared, I just say they sound weird. There's no twin cest in this episode, Jared. Fucking. That's the next one, right, man? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but <laughs> anyway. Gorilla slot. Oh, yeah. Two uh, double dragon. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually a really good description. This is like the final boss level of double dragon. <laughs> Except with murderous psychic aliens. Yeah, it's uh, pretty good. And of course, there is like this final countdown as they, you know, there are too many of them and they run towards a shuttle while things explode and then fly off into space. Just two brothers. It is just two brothers. Lord. <laughs> uh, However, uh, it builds into the epilogue, which has possibly the best line to wrap up a novel in quite some time. Like, before the epilogue, I loved this novel. It would have been my favorite, uh, but the epilogue puts it together terrifically. All right, you're making a huge claim here. Oh, yeah, I know. That's, yeah. That's... 
I will do my best to deliver. So Alfarius uh, is being, quote unquote, discovered by Horus. Uh-huh. Uh, it's common knowledge that Horus found Alfarius uh, from like this little piratical raider fleet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he basically blows apart a whole bunch of it with the vengeful spirit. Because it's like a little rinky-dink fleet of like a whole bunch of ships assembled. Horus finds Alfarius and comes back to the Imperium at large, finding, you know, bringing the last Primarch into the fold. Right. Alfarius intentionally, uh, in a move like straight out of something from Star Wars, crash lands his ship onto the Vengeful Spirit. Uh, Cuts his way through a hatch, uh, murders several Luna Wolves in his way. Uh, it's like the future traders, basically. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> on the way to the bridge uh, where he finds Horus and Horus instantly welcomes him. Uh-huh. Uh, Alfarius uh, thinks to himself like, oh, I can see like the kind of deal. Yeah, this I'm prepped with the charisma and everything. I'm glad I talked this over. Definitely glad I talked this over with Omegon. And Horus is like, brother, welcome home. And Alfarius is like, hi, I'm Alfarius. But that was a lie. And that's the end of the book. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Alfarius is saying that the story where he goes to the bridge and meets Horus is a lie. No, or... or I have no idea. He was not Alfarius and was Omegon. Is... But uh, that was a lie. That narrator. part contained within the quotations of him quoting himself. Uh, All Alfarius does it. Or does he lie. say, hi, I'm Alfarius, end quotes. End quotes. That was a lie. But that was a lie. <sighs> now. Oh. My God. Y'all are, y'all are way overthinking. I raise my hand and remove my helmet. The slight gasps from around the bridge as I look Horace in the eye tell me that the similarity of my features to his has been noted. I'm Alfarius. This was a lie. <laughs> All right, that's a pretty good last line. That is a pretty good last line. <laughs> it's no decimus, but it's pretty good. Yeah. Now, 100%, I feel I need to be honest with everybody here and the listeners. There was a amazingly cool fan theory that I heard that I didn't even understand the implications of that line until like, cause of course, as soon as I finished the book, I didn't want to ruin it for anybody here. So I was like, gotta go see the internet. Yeah. Gotta go like, talk to I, I will, I will talk to Reddit people. I am so excited about this. <laughs> and so I instantly started reading about it and some dude was like, wait, if that was a lie, does that mean like every time in every other book, Alfarius has said, hi, I'm Alfarius, it's really been Omegon and vice versa? And people were like, holy shit. Wait, hang on. Does that mean like it's been opposite day every single time? No. That's Shut up, no. Jared. Stop fun stopping. That's, yeah, that's, that's so, fun police. That feels is, like a reach. Is, yeah, I feel like that's crap. so. It, it does. You have to look at but. the structure of the way that that the that the words are actually written. <laughs> whereas, hi, I'm Alfarius, quote unquote, space, but that was a lie. Yes. So, but that was a lie is third person omniscient talking about the quote, yeah. rather referring to him telling the story. Yes. Um. So 
But so, isn't the rest of the story told in first person? So when Alfari first person omission, sorry, Omegon are talking to each other about going to meet Horus, uh-huh. they say it's the best idea for Omegon to go because Horus has seen Alfarius before, even though he doesn't know it. Uh huh. So they uh-huh. think Omegon would be the best to go, which makes sense. Now, the one thing that I absolutely do not like about this book and this is completely removed from the book itself and it's a little weird i'll preface it with that and it's something i've never seen or have happened with a novel from black library before in the same way i think that's a cool fan theory that somebody came at like i mean like you said it's a reach to think like every single time but it's a fun thing to play with right sure mike brooks responded on twitter to a dude and said Oh, no. I just meant to say, like, in that one time, it was Omegon meeting Horus, <laughs> not Alfarius. Yeah, it kind of spoils the it fun. Like, bro! Yeah, that's why I don't like that Dan Epnett said they're not gods. It bro. pulls back Lock. the curtain, and all of your fun theorizing and debating is just rendered moot. Doesn't it's matter. Like, come on, yes, come on what? Mike Brooks. Why you like, gotta leave it way? As an to author. the Alpha Legion fans to completely overthink this. <laughs> But, I mean, that's kind of the Legion's whole thing, right? Also, it's, it's fun. Shut like, up, yeah, it's, Jared. It's, it's, the, fun. The, it's always sunny, Charlie Day, you know, pointing at the, the board that's got, you know, 50 different strings attached to it. That's that's you guys 100%. Hey, hey, I no, mean, the most fair. fun part of that is the fan theory that was like, uh, is Pepe Sylvia just because Charlie's illiterate and he doesn't know how to spell Pennsylvania? Yeah. <laughs> and then the writers were like, holy shit. No, that was just a dumb name we thought of, but that's a great idea. Yeah. We wish we'd thought of that. Yeah. No, don't do it. Yeah. Fan theories like, are fun. Leave it alone. And also, if there's any Legion that that gets better with fan theories, it's probably the Alpha Legion. Yeah, yeah. that's their whole you know, thing. You guys are like the opposite of Occam's Razor. It's like, what's the most complicated, <laughs> convoluted thing that we but could possibly come up with? That's the that's, that's, that's the appeal of it. That's what's fun about <laughs> fan theorying. It's exhausting. Just because your legion is blunt and one-dimensional. No, we're not. That's so, so, Jared, you did raise a good point with it being convoluted, because at some point, I feel we might have touched on this before, but when we talk about the the lacking or the, uh, the fail, not the failure, but just the, um, the weaknesses of a legion, mm-hmm. over-convulsion, it feels like it's the alpha legion's weakness. Yeah, yeah. making things Make too complicated. One too of them. Complicated. Definitely. Yeah. Like in Hercules, right? When but the like trying to eat him and it just ties its heads up in a knot. Yeah, same, same concept. Yeah. J- uh, Jesse, you bring up a good, you know, say any other legion got, you know, a cabal of Xenos operatives to try to, you know, incept them into, uh, you know, turning against the emperor, you know, solid 85% of the legions are just going to be like, bullshit. <laughs> that doesn't you're make wrong. any sense at all. You're lying aliens, and that's what you do because you're lying aliens. Well, I mean, Alfarius has seen I mean, some shit, though. <laughs> and presumably he also is aware of the emperor's imperfection. Well, I mean, the Cabal did specifically say, hey, we're coming to you, the Alpha Legion, because you're literally the only legion that wouldn't shoot us on sight and might actually You guys actually are listen. super woke. <laughs> yeah, the Alpha Legion's but, woke. I mean, it's kind of like that into 40K, like, because the wife and I are listening to um, Ravener and Eisenhorn, like on audiobook now. It's kind of nice. that deal, like the split between puritanical to radical in Inquisitors. Uh, 
pure, like absolute hardline conservative puritanical inquisitors are nigh on useless, like Commodus Volk, because they just kick down doors and display their rosettes and say, I'm an inquisitor. And it's like they're so big in their like bulls in China shops that they- Any cult sees them coming a mile away. And they never get anything done. But on the other end of the spectrum, you have like Quixus, who is so- absolutely like sure and justified in their own mind that they have like fallen to chaos and they have a sword that like bleeds eyeballs and they still think like no this i'm is, just using this chaos is fine. yeah this is <laughs> this, this is just fine. a tool they, chaos to fight chaos you know, yeah it's like how far along that line do you go until it's you're no longer using a weapon to its best effect and you have become part of the problem so uh, I think it's hereticus when Ravener says to, to Eisenhorn, you know, look, basically we're all going to be heretics in the end. It's just inevitable. It's going to happen by the nature of the work we do. It didn't happen to Commodus Volk. He died just as like, well, yeah, you just absolutely <laughs> hard line as when he started. And Heldane was even worse than he was until he exploded. <gasps> It really do be like that sometimes. He literally exploded with how hardline puritanical he was. <laughs> but Heldane also like totally, I mean, he went like far off the reservation. He did, but he was hyper puritanical <laughs> while he did it. But uh, maybe in Ghost, and not Ghostmaker, geez, first and only, is he mm-hmm. really, you know, puritanical? I, I feel like at that point he's gone full renegade. Mm, now we're getting into Gaunt's ghosts territory. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying. That's sorry. Yeah. That was my fault. <laughs> that's where he blows up. Come on. I mean, those are all connected one way or another. This isn't Dark Tower. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Would that? No. Oh, alas. Alas. Yeah. What do you think now that you've finished Alfarius, head of the Hydra? What do you think about the, or rather, does it offer you any new insight or a different angle of looking at the theory that? One Primarch was loyal, the other was a traitor. Not really. Uh-huh. I don't think the Black Library authors really, they definitely didn't know when they started out. Like, I think pretty much everybody can agree, like... Certainly the Alpha Legion has become a, a completely different animal than yeah, what the Black yeah. Library ever, what, started they, what they started with. And it depends completely on, much like the portrayal of any individual Primarch, depends completely on who's writing it. Like... Mike Brooks makes the lion seem, like in this novel, like a dutiful, intelligent, tactical thinker. Like We all know that's not right. Uh, well, in the same way, he, he makes the lion seem like not like brusque and rude and stoic like he normally is. But also, it's like not without reason. He's not just an asshole. He's insular because he's been made isolated because he's the only Primarch that's been stuffed out to the corners of the galaxy to deal with these like god awful Xenos races that the other Primarchs don't even understand. Yeah, Gilliman's just out in the 500 worlds having a grand old time. Yeah. And the right? Lion's out there just I stomping mean, out a rebellion here and there. Yeah. yeah. Gulliman's the. Primark equivalent of like a trust fund kid. Gulliman's like, camping in a in a in a trailer with like air conditioning and running water, and <laughs> the lion is out there naked with a loyan cloth and a broken stick. <laughs> I mean, 
Pretty much. And then everyone's like, why is the lion <laughs> oh, such a no. dick? Why can't you be more like Gilliman? Gilliman's like, oh. why are you such a dick? Because uh, Gilliman has big my dad is a lawyer energy. and my, Not even that. My dad owns a dealership. You can't arrest me energy. <laughs> now, also, to be fair, I believe it was in uh, Unremembered Empire that Gilliman said that the lion was pretty much the only Primarch that he respected, too. Well, I mean... And while we're talking about that, conversely... The lion is made to look like kind of a doofus in Unremembered Empire. Everybody looks Ugh. like a doofus in when Unremembered Empire. When his beeper Empire. goes off, hunting right. the night haunter, it was, that was the biggest facepalm moment. Fucking buddy <laughs> cop oh, movie no. bullshit. Are you fucking kidding me? My favorite ah. part was when he thought the best way to hunt down curs was to keep sending individual squads into dimly lit claustrophobic small spaces. Yeah. No, this, this time guys, for sure. This time for sure. Although I will say I absolutely <laughs> love the portrayal of Kurz like once he gets down to McCrag and he's basically just a magical shadow man. Like <laughs> man, did Alpharius say anything about Kurz when he met Kurz cuz he ostensibly was there? Uh, I, I read, don't remember him. I read a, I imagine his words were a minor that. There was a minor mention of Kurz. Yeah. That's just silly. I didn't much care for Lorgar. That Kurz guy was all right though. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, let me look that up. I'm really like I remember because if he's there, if he's there as a Jarl, right? When Russ is discovered, he's amongst the Jarls. Um, you Jarling about it? Yeah, he does mention about. that Kurz that he does real. He does get the impression that Kurz does despise all the other <laughs> Primarchs. So yeah. he does yeah. mention that he can super insightful there, Alpharius. Alpharius can disappear when he's talking about his gift. Like mm-hmm. he can disappear, not in the manner Korax can, or for that matter, Kurz should he wish to. Huh. This makes me wonder if he's when they discover Russ. Alpharius is down there, yarling and snarling about. Uh, is he? In some, is he part of every Primarch's? Like, is he close to the Primarch every time they're discovered? Is he a priest when Lorgar's discovered? Is he a Nostroman nobleman? No, he's a he's a legionnaire. Oh, he's a legionary. Yeah, yeah, he did come down there with a whole bunch of legionaries. He does mention. I'm kind of, I kind of cheated and kind of searched through the uh, yeah through the PDF, but it does mention that uh, in regards to Angron and Kurz, that he's not certain that their lives were greatly improved by the emperor's arrival in all honesty, but the population of Nostrama had certainly not done well out of it. (laughs) Yeah. Oops. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, Nostromo. Yeah. Keep in mind that was a choice by the emperor. Fuck. He could have turned the fucking floodlights off. Yeah. This this, the emperor's weird. He makes weird choices, but yeah, I'm just setting up which ones are going to be traitors later. It's fine. He knows (laughs) everyone knows, you know, the Emperor's logic reminds me of something that uh, Samuel L. Jackson said about the plot of Pulp Fiction. In a, you know, trying to explain it to people in an interview, he said, the people who deserve to get saved, get saved. Those who deserve to get saved, get saved. Okay, Samuel L. Jackson. Yep. But I mean... That does not include Vincent Vega. Almost everybody in Pulp Fiction is a terrible person. Yeah, but there are especially terrible people. Yeah, there's bad and there's worse. Okay, yeah, yeah. that's fair. You know what? Uh, and Samuel Jackson didn't write the write the book, so he can see, or write the yeah. uh, show, so he can see it how he sees it. Yeah, okay. you know, that's fair. Bruce Willis is is you know kind of a swindler and definitely murdered a guy with his bare hands. In this instance, Quentin Tarantino is Dan Abnett, and his opinion is better than yours. <laughs> <laughs> let's not let's not ask him about feet. Yeah. <laughs> 
Anyway, Alpha Legion. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Alpha Legion. <laughs> so yeah, I'm looking forward to finishing up the uh, Alpharius novel because it seems pretty damn cool. Any it other is. fun tidbits? I know you got quite a few uh, notes there. Oh, it's good stuff. So, so you saw the theory, right? That Alpharius and Omegon, every time they reference one, it's actually the other. Would that actually matter? Not really. Since they're functionally identical. Just okay. fun. The only time I think it would make an actual difference is in Praetorian of Dorne, Dorne kills Alpharius. Then later, what? towards the end of the heresy, Gilliman kills Alpharius. Uh-huh. And the problem you run into is obviously they can't both kill Alpharius. One of them had to have killed Omegon, allegedly. Allegedly. And not to get too hard into it, but the issue with Praetorian, where in the epilogue, John French tries to scribble in and say, like, uh, definitely, definitely, uh, definitely, like, no, no fan theories. This was definitely the thing that happened. It feels well, like... In, in his defense, is that not exactly what people have done, even despite that? Yeah, but <laughs> I'm just gonna nerd. It feels like you know like when, there's no convincing anybody. <laughs> people are gonna believe what they want to believe. That's why people hated it. When yeah. I when I've had people when I've listened to people explain why they didn't like it. That's why they didn't like it was because it's like um oh god, it's never the very first response to something, but you know how they're on there's always like a response some dude saying like uh, in before whatever. Mm -hmm. No. That's what it feels like John French is saying. Uh, in before somebody says this isn't really Alpharius. This was really Alpharius. Yeah. And it oh. feels... It feels lame. Now, again, I'm... Is sorry. it lame just because, you know, the traitor guy lost? No, not Honestly. at all. Honestly. Not at all. No, it's... As, as, I've, as I've explained it to a couple people before, you know how... Um, and Jared, you have read the Grey Knight stuff, haven't you? You, you have. read a lot of Grey Knight stuff, didn't you? That's how I started 40K. Yeah. Did you read Heart of Mortarion? No. So Heart of Mortarion is the infamous story in which Kaldor Drago goes to the warp, oh. fist fights Mortarion, <laughs> then carves his name into Mortarion's heart. It Like, it's so, it's like, really... yes, it happened in the book. Yes, it's canon. Because it exists on those pages. Were you unfortunate enough to hear the audio drama? No. Don't listen to it. <laughs> I'm no joke. I say this with all seriousness and absolutely not a joke. It sounds like a sexual assault. It was a big mistake and it should not have happened. Okay. So it's kind of like, yes, canonically speaking, this happened, but it's so unearned it's so unearned like drago is the the common complaint with drago right as a whole is that he's only cool because matt ward said he was cool and normally in any in any hobby like ours where there's such a dedicated fan base for literally anybody yeah um it's just really lame and derivative i guess is the right word for me, when the thing that you think is super cool just gets, like, pub-stomped and swept under a rug. So, Aaron Dimsky-Bowden 
is considered a pretty decent author, kind mm-hmm. of like middle of the pack. Yeah. Well, in not middle of the pack in like good or bad, middle of the pack is in like people's favorites. And uh, as far as timelines. So like Dan Abnett, like original Black Library. Well, I mean, I guess original Stephen Pringle, original Black Library, <laughs> 1989. Storm of Iron. No, uh, that's Grand that's Ghosts. Ghosts. I thought First and Only was the first one. It was the first, first Dan Abnett book? Was the first Black Library book? Was First and Only? Oh no, 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 no. no? Okay, um, well, unless it was by a, another oh, suit. Unless it was the first 40k uh, Black Library book. What's that one that, that like they hadn't even written the lore yet? So like, Space <laughs> hang on. Last rifles. The very first uh, Black Library book I can think of was in 1989 called Ignorant Gods, and it was a short story compilation book by uh, edited by Stephen Pringle, which is what I was thinking of when I just said that. Sorry, not to get sidetracked. Uh-huh. Um, Carry on. Uh, Aaron Dimsky-Bowden made a really good point in one of the reprints. Uh, I think it was the afterword of Betrayer. Uh, ADB made a really good point. He said no matter what he writes about, he tries very hard to make sure both saw nobody seems like a chump, I think were the words he used. Mm-hmm. Um, he may have failed with the Night Lord's books. Possibly. He makes just look putting that out like there. pretty big dicks. Like, <laughs> no, the two, Nightlords books are great. Two thirds of like Talos and company end up dead. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm talking about the loyalists in there. Like, good God. The, the, I mean, but they end up real dead. Like, yeah, Zarl headbutts, uh, what's his name? Telemian to death. Yeah. But also he cracks his own face open and dies. Oops. Oh, yeah. Like, that's. Welcome to the Night Lords. That's, no, that's just pretty, reading them, I'm like, good God. A pretty immediate cause and effect. Now, I will give you, uh, what? oh shoot, what were the red guys? The um, Ang- Angels of Sanguine? Bleeding Eyes or? No, it was. Wait, no, the, Blood Angels? It was like the Sons of, Med- no, not the Sons of Medusa. It was like the. S- In the Night Lords trilogy? Yeah. It was Loyalist Space Marines? Marines Errant, like Nova Marines. Sons Marines of Errant? Orar. Sons of Orar. They're red. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, there we go. Or are they look pretty gooberish. But yeah, anyhow, no. that getting away from the point. And the Night Lords trilogy was pretty early on. No. However, I think he does a pretty good job of that later on. Mm. And what one thing I wanted to talk about to compare was Wolfsbane. Mm-hmm. Now, you can quote me on this. <laughs> Steve's looking around for like a pen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. Um. I was absolutely wrong about Wolfsbane when I read it the first time. No, I'm not writing that down. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I'm not a huge fan of Russ as a character, as a Primarch. When I first read Wolfsbane, all I got out of it was, uh, Russ is just getting Sanguinius's spot from poking a hole in Horace's armor to give him something cool to do. So he's not useless for the rest of the heresy. Now, reading it a second time, I actually went back through it, read it, put a little more thought into it as I was doing it. I was wrong about it the first time. Now, Guy Haley, Wolfsbane is not a perfect book by a long shot. I'm not going to get into the parts that I'm not a huge fan of. Ham-fisted Norse mythology. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It's, it's got a little... It's, it's, the, it's what everybody dislikes about Space Wolves. Yeah. It's got, it's got issues. However, and okay, this is my opinion... I think he does a really good job with Lehman Russ's character development. And what I mean by that, 
he is the opposite of Dorn, where Dorn's paraphrasing Dorn's thought process for the heresy is no, we bunker down, we protect what's important. Lehman Russ is no, it's useless to stay here and bunker down. We go out, we destroy Horus and end the threat before it ever gets close to what's important. I mean, they're essentially opposite ends of the spectrum on what the best way to tackle Horace's rebellion is. Mm -hmm. And Guy Haley does a very good job of illustrating how absolutely beat to crap the Space Wolf Legion is. I mean, it's basically what's left of the Legion after Prospero is hanging out on Terra. When Loken is going through um, the, what is it, the Hrafnkul, uh, it is... That's a word. Right. Uh, Lehman Russ's flagship. Uh, it is absolutely beat to crap uh it's getting ready to set back out and it needs years of repair still they basically just bolted crap to make sure it doesn't fly apart under its own like thrust <laughs> well you know when you get your you know crap kicked in by uh the alpha legion after exactly because i mean across he's the galaxy been after prospero and this is after um Wolf King when they were in that wacky nebula. It's also worth pointing out, though, that Space Wolves' method of warfare is not the, uh, you know, the sharpest with conserving your manpower. It's not. You'd think him and Pert would have got along better. Uh, you know, you know. And uh, it does a really good job of showing what a bad mistake Russ makes. He goes after Horus and it's absolutely a mistake. It's not a Pyrrhic victory. Like, yes, he does stab Horus. And I think people put way too much thought into the like, oh, well, Horus is depowered and wounded and insecure now. Is he? <laughs> he's not really like, no. I mean, not. there's not a whole lot. <laughs> it's a desperate attempt to give him some relevancy to what canonically he was not really a part of when but, you know, the, the bones of the Horus heresy were laid down. The difference here is this is not at all a victory, even a Pyrrhic one for Lehman Russ. It's a bad decision. He suffers consequences. He and his legion as a whole suffer massive consequences for that bad decision. I mean, his legion is already at a, is basically a shambles thrown together wreckage when he sets out to attack Horus. And there is almost nothing left when they limp away. He has to get saved by the Raven Guard. Yeah. And that's ah, fucking nerds. <laughs> embarrassing. Which, I, I, yes. As a Raven Guard player, that's embarrassing. <laughs> and that comparison with there being actual consequences. To both sides, like, Horus has more problems to deal with now. Uh, Lehman Russ barely has a legion now. Comparatively to what the way John French portrayed Dorn, Guy Haley does a better job of illustrating the consequences and not making anybody look like a chump. The consequences Dorn suffers are neither tangible nor are they lasting lasting yeah so he, here's one issue with that approach yeah um fire away in oh it's 
it's either the Dark King or the Lightning Tower. It's one of those two short stories. Yes. Uh, specifically, Dorne is supervising, uh, you know, deconstruction of the palace and making it into a fortress. Uh, he says in it, he's, you know, internal monologue is lamenting the fact that he has to do this. Um, and it's specifically because he expresses the wish to, I want to ride out and face him head on. This is Horace being, uh, that's what Dorne wants to do, but he has been ordered by the emperor to do otherwise. And you know, that sucks. That's, you know, people like to shoehorn the imperial fists into defense, 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 when that is massively simplistic. Yes, they're the best at defense, but there's a plethora of other aspects to them. So to say, you know, one that Dorn chose to sit on his ass on Terra and just fortify and protect what they had is... Yes, he received that order, but so did Korax, the Khan, and Lehman Russ. And who was responsible for saving humanity of those numbers? Yet to be determined. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd say and, we're not done with the siege of terror yet. So, at, uh, making me that uh, they made me think of that. Um, going back to Gulliman, uh killing Alpharius, Omegon, whoever. Yes. It forgive me because I'm I'm relatively new to to Horus Heresy, but where does that uh, you know canonically where is that information coming from? That's scouring what, era. What, that's actually what, I think what that's... book has it is what I'm asking. Probably a Space Marine Codex. That's that's see that's what I'm getting at is like a fourth. You know, edit. those are the same Space Marine Codexes that said that you know the Ultramarines were stuck at the end of the galaxy and not you know plowing towards Terra during the Heresy. Uh, you know, I don't think you know maybe that'll get picked up in some novel and and given proper treatment and and become you know an integral part of the lore of the Heresy. But right now, I don't think we can consider it that because. You know, there are instances of, oh, there's a very short story where the, the, like, one squad of Space Wolves is sent to the Alpha Legion to, you know, keep eyes on them in case they get psychers. Yes, that was a good idea, Lehman. And uh, they get killed, of course. And, are you sure you're not thinking of the Night Lords? Because I think, I remember no, that story. No, there's specifically one where they, they go and visit the Alpha Legion, and the captain, who he's, like, half alive at the end of it, um, he says, oh, yeah, I, I, I killed Alpharius. Like, no, you didn't. You, you killed some rando, you know, probably a tactical sergeant in, in the Alpha Legion that you managed to off. Congratulations, you know, die in peace, sir. So you know. it was a fifth edition Space Marine Codex. And also, okay. to be fair, that's uh, in the same lore snippet as included in a paragraph describing how the Alpha Legion was declared destroyed three separate times by the same High Lords, only to be found shortly after perfectly operational. Yeah, that's that's what I'm getting at. Is I I don't I, I don't buy it. I don't think that particular bit of lore is going to be changed at all because the other half to that that everybody forgets is uh, that's where Gilliman gets fatally wounded, isn't it? When he's fighting no, no. Alpharius? Negative. He's fighting Fulgrim. Fulgrim. Oh, yeah, it it's, is Fulgrim. It's in the beginning of Dark Imperium. It's it's very established at this point. Oh, never mind then. Huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's 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 it. Edit that out, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> nope, keep it in. Too deep in. 
I've read the <laughs> snippet a couple of times. It's pretty early on. I think it's, I want to say it was circa 2000, 2001 or so. Uh, essentially. So 20 years ago. Yeah. So yeah, uh, looking at it, it looks like a, it was an Imperial or a, a Index Astartes 4. Yeah. Which was I, in 2004. I had that Index Astartes sitting on my shelf. Uh, they anime run at each other with uh, power swords. Oh. And they even stare at each other for a second. And then Alpharius falls over. Oh my goodness! Does does Gulliman like draw his sword and, and sheath it real quick? And, and Alpharius and looks like, down, yeah. and the shadow is over his face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. Just, it's just a JoJo <laughs> animation. <laughs> <laughs> then the Ario Speedwagon kicks in, and uh... yeah, it's good times for everyone. <laughs> but uh, we got far away from it. But that's why people don't like <laughs> Dorn killing, quote unquote, killing Alpharius. Yeah, it that? feels dumb. Well, as you are we so hope you common, enjoyed that half-hour uh, explanation, <laughs> Stephen. As you so love to say, die mad about it. I'm gonna, you I'm gonna die mad it. about that. I'm gonna die mad about uh, slaves, slaves to darkness. That's even. Funnier. It sucks oh, when writers that you trust to portray your favorite characters just make them look like idiots. Uh, okay, let, let's give slaves to darkness an aside here let's, let's, because it's a fantastic book. <laughs> let's let's not. It's not. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna roll it back up. Back Damn it, Jesse. Because uh, I haven't read. I've Slaves already to let darkness. it go too far. You're not missing anything. You haven't read Slaves to Darkness, Jason? No, I haven't. Oh, I haven't read that. I haven't it's a read dumb book. Buried Dagger. Buried Dagger's pretty good. Buried Dagger's real good. Yeah. yeah. Mortarian falls to chaos. I get it. Mortarian is a chump. But you finally get chumps. Mortarian's actual uh, origin story too. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a fun romp through. Yeah. Uh, it's cool. There's cool Death Guard stuff that happens. Yeah. Oh yeah, I get it. Better blood as a human and not a dreadnought. It's great. Yeah, so that's Alfarius, head of the Hydra. <laughs> Order now and get it free. <laughs> Buy one. I have some other uh, snippets of Alpha Legion stuff. I know this book kind of really wraps a lot of stuff together. But um, I know the Heresy Grad School, you guys talked about Paramar, and I think uh, Alpha Legion was in that for a bit. I know you guys talked about Paramar at some point. Oh, yeah. The Alpha Legion was a big deal in Paramar because, uh, well, I think that's the first time we ever hear about Armillus Dynat. Mm -hmm. uh, he actually comes up in uh, Head of the Hydra. He mm -hmm. is... God bless him. He's pretty terrific. Um, essentially, Paramar was Horus trying to see if he could rely on the Alpha Legion to be an actual legion if he told them to. Mm -hmm. uh, Instead of do like guerrilla shit all the time. Yeah. Because he essentially gave them no other option than to like run a blitz train like on the Paramar system. And uh, Armillus Dynat does a good job of it. Uh, the only problem is it just so happens uh, Kier Valen of the Iron Warriors, uh, you know, yeah. the Iron Warrior dude that uh, all the loyalists love to, uh, you know, throw in for the Armor 15 bunker. Uh, <laughs> He just so happens to be there and makes it take longer, a whole lot longer. Uh, it's a big deal. Uh, it's a really cool engagement uh, with the Iron Warriors and Mechanicum of Paramar fighting off the Alpha Legion. Uh, go check it out. It's in book three. Uh, it's a really neat engagement that basically didn't exist before the book. It's spectacular. Um, 
fun fact, it did exist before the book. It was the uh, starting set for the original Titanicus game. Takes place on Paramar 5. Oh, shit, you're right. Yep, and it was Thousand Sons and Emperor's Children? It was just a throwaway name. They just <laughs> named the planet, and then they plucked it back up for the Black Books, which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Neat. There, I knew a trivia fact. Thank you, Stephen. Yep. Well, and it's funny, because that's also where they introduced the Legio Graphonicus and Legio Furians into uh, the Black Books. Man, Black Books are so cool. Damn. They are. Um. I actually had a question for you, Jason. Again, going under like... Oh, boy. Yeah. So, another fan theory. Yes. Uh, maybe huh? maybe a fan theory? Yeah. People's theories, certainly. Um, in addition to one, one traitor, or one Primarch was a traitor, one Primarch was a loyalist. They're basically spy versus spying each other the whole time. Yeah. Um, but one of the big questions of the Alpha Legion is, were they loyal during the heresy after all? Does Ooh. Alpharius, head of the Hydra, shed any light on that? Does it make you look at that in any from a different angle at all? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> so it's still completely, it's still super, completely super completely ambiguous. So it's still entirely possible that the Alpha Legion are turbo traders, and it's still entirely possible that they are secret loyalists. Absolutely. Yeah. So. For I'll point out the Alpha Legion part in uh, Slaves to Darkness. At the very end, uh, the Alpha Legion brings up an Alpha Legionnaire. We don't know who he is, obviously. Mm -hmm. He's uh, totally Alpharius. Leaves it, uh, gives it to Horus, I believe. Uh, mm -hmm. Basically, a data key of everything that's going on in the Soul System, including when Dorn takes a dump, like all the information you can possibly know. And then uh, the Alpha uh, then Legion would know that. The Alpha Legionnaire turns around, starts walking away. It's like you guys are going to help us, right? He snaps his blade, throws it on the ground, and walks out. <laughs> Fucking Alpha Legion. They're so goddamn dramatic. See, I yep. think the point a lot of people kind of, like, <laughs> skip is that the Alpha Legion is so fractitious that it's impossible to say with, like, any... They may not even know it. Any yeah, degree like, of certainty. They yeah. Their own Primarchs are not 100% like what any of their Legionnaire cells are doing on any given day. Like, how could you definitively say they're a right. traitor or loyalist? Right. It's like, yes, it's the, it's the Zinchian problem, uh, which is they're so convoluted, even they don't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> Kairos Fate Weaver, the Legion. If you want to go, uh, you know, very, very literal on this, you know, the, the makeup of uh, Al-Qaeda is so... Uh, cellular that, you know, individual, uh, I guess, cells, uh, you know, don't know what everybody else is up to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to, to some have conjectured even like, you know, Osama bin Laden might not have known that 9-11 happened before it did because he might not have been, you know, one of the masterminds of it. Um, you know, it's probably in the same sense. But, you know, is anybody debating that, you know, whether or not Al-Qaeda is an enemy of the United States, you know? Yeah. Yeah, uh, Alpha Legion's definitely not quite uh, helping out the Yeah, the they're not as helpful. Loyalists maybe they think don't provide being. Horus with the time that, you know, Dorton's right. bathroom breaks. Yeah. Uh, and they also don't, you know, stick warp-tainted stuff into the gene seed banks of the Raven card. Yeah. It's, it's, it's... Uh, or, you know, destroy hundreds of worlds and, it's, you know, it's the, it's butcher. It's the, uh, the Saruman principle. No good wizard wears their fingernails <laughs> that long. <laughs> 
Yeah. Loyal legions don't introduce demon blood. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah. loyalist factions of a legion. Yeah. Like, it could be very well that they are just shattered to an effect where some are loyal, some are traitors. Like living a whole, doing a whole thing. Some may not know what the other hand is doing. Yeah. Right hand and left hand yeah. aren't communicating. Yeah. Just an enigma. And despite the uh, awesome novel, it looks like it's going to stay that way for the time being. But I think, uh, yeah, I think we're going to wrap up this section. Uh, thanks, guys, for listening. And uh, yeah, up next, uh, me and Austin are going to talk Alpha Legion gaming. So sit back and enjoy. This episode of the Remembrancers Retreat is made possible with the support of our patrons, starting with our Legion Praetor tier, Alex Self. Taco Tuesday or Bust, 22 Rock and Roll McDonald's, Chris Mack, Garner.Tree of Woe, Joe from Music City Heresy, Luke Rizzuto, Matthew Boyce, Mr. Baldwick, Nicholas Quenga, and Sar Luther. Next up, our Legion Centurions, Aaron Maynard, Andrew N., Angry Boy, Dave Jones, Duncan, Jerry Austin, John Christensen, M. Tanzer, Gorkro, Queen Corswain, Scott LeMay, and the original Applesauce. And finally, our Legion Sergeants, Agrippina, Emily O'Hare, Garrett Lowe, Mr. Sear, Nicholas Gillen, the entirety of Legio Audax, the Zoe, and what do I call myself? We greatly appreciate your support, and if you'd like to support our podcast, go over to patreon.com forward slash rr30k podcast. All right, now we're on to our gaming segment. We're playing Alpha Legion Hooray. with Austin Hooray. and myself. Yeah, I uh, so, came very close to doing an Alpha Legion list. Got so close. Yeah. And then it turns out I just can't paint anything that's not a space wolf. So here we are. <laughs> um, but I do really love the Alpha Legion. Mm-hmm. One of my probably top three favorite legions, especially mm-hmm. after friggin' Alpharius, the Primarch novel. Um, Good stuff. Mm-hmm. So, in this uh, segment, we're going to talk about playing the Alpha Legion in a variety of Horus Heresy games. And I figure we'll start off with standard Horus Heresy 28mm Age of Darkness. Mm-hmm. So, I don't think we've ever really touched on them before in our past couple years, which is kind of surprising, but I don't think we really have. Well, it's because none of us play them, like currently. True. Caro has an army. I think Jason has an army as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. But, I did uh, get a couple of test games in. So, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, we've played this game quite a bit. We could probably figure out. Yes, I've spent. I've I've played enough of Jason's Alpha Legion to know the things that are absolutely terrifying to yeah. be on the receiving <laughs> end of. So that's good. Sure. But uh, yeah, so the Twentieth Legion, the Alpha Legion, going through their uh, Legion rules. They have the standard Legionis Astartes, always attempting to regroup at normal leadership value, regardless of casualties. Uh, Their special rules are mutable tactics. An Alpha Legion army must pick one of the following special rules at the point where warlord traits have been selected for the game. This rule then applies to all units in the detachment with the Legionis Astartes Alpha Legion special rule for the duration of the game. So, which is pretty big, because the rules they have to choose from are Scout, Infiltrate, Tank Hunters, Counterattack, Move Through Cover, and Adamantium Will. 
So being able to select one of those rules for all of your uh, infantry is pretty good. Yeah. Like it, it just damn, right? Like, hey, I want yeah. everybody to infiltrate. Hooray, we're doing it. So it doesn't work for Dreadnoughts because they don't have Legions and Stardies. Mm-hmm. But yep. it's basically any power armor or artificer armored infantry unit you have in the game. Hell, Terminator armored? Terminator 2, yeah. Infiltrating Terminators. Infiltrating Terminators, move through cover Terminators. Yeah, I, I mean, the listeners can probably guess what my favorite of these is going to be, um, both from a gameplay and a kind of theme. Um, um, hmm. Because I just like infiltrating stuff. That's Yeah, like, that's I, true. It's just, that, that's like peak Alpha Legion to me. <laughs> like, we were here, we've been here six months, now I'm going to shoot you just as planned. Um. But you can't complain about the other stuff, right? No, they're really good. Like also, the ability to choose adamantium will at the warlord phase or warlord trade of the game. So, like, if you know you're going up against like Thousand Suns, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or you know, hey, turns out this table I'm at is just covered in ruined buildings. Yep. You know, time maybe, to move through cover. Take that move through cover. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm fighting. You know, I need a little extra close combat capability. Let's do some counterattack. Like, Tank Hunters seems like the least useful of all of these uh, until you run up against Steven's all Dreadnought list. <laughs> right. Right? <laughs> like, Or if you're, you're building an army that is more focused to anti-armor, you know, just pick up Tank Hunters for free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can just kind of incorporate that into your list building. Right? Because none is, of this is random. This is you choose. No, generated. And it's the point where warlord traits have been selected. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the the enemy can't even accuse you of list tailoring. You right. This your models not- have known they were fighting this battle for months. Of course they're doing this. It's <laughs> fine. Um, and I don't think any of the events I've been to that I can recall anyway, like make you choose beforehand. You know, like there are events that are like, hey, you need to choose your warlord traits beforehand. Yeah, you know, that sort of thing, but yeah. nobody, nobody makes you right. Like right, so and your warlord traits are all random anyway. Yeah, so. like your warlord traits are all all random, uh, but normally it's like, oh hey, pick it at the first one, and that's just what mm-hmm. you've got for the whole event. Like, yeah, we're not trying to waste time with warlord traits. That's how we've run a few mm-hmm. before, and it actually works out pretty well. Yeah, like no no complaints. Uh, I've also done one where you you pick, but you have to pick a different one for each game. Mm. So you, okay. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I like that. Um, but no one's ever going to make you do something like that for this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you go to an event, you know, maybe you haven't done that event before. You don't really know what sort of opponents you're going to deal with. You don't know what sort of tables they're going to have, you know, good terrain. That one GW event, which will remain nameless, or not GW event. Uh, God, do you remember what I'm the talking about? The London GT. The London GT. A couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. All Not going to need move through cover for that one, boss. I haven't, sh- yeah. <laughs> but, I think that was 2018. I don't know if they did 2019 better or not. Yeah, uh, time. They probably it. did because they I probably, mean, yeah, because nobody heard about it. So they probably, nobody heard it the second time. Uh, so uh, anyway, sorry for harping on the London, London GT guys, my bad. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's just the only, uh, <laughs> it's, it was the first thing I could think of that, like, man, what's a weird terrain situation? Cause that, like, cause it's happened. Like, I've been at those events, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, hell, I've hosted one <laughs> where it's like, oh, we got way more people signing up than we thought. Mm. Shit. Time. To- uh, craters, just craters everywhere. <laughs>
Um, so yeah, it's real nice. And they got another one. Yeah. In addition to all of that, they can also, or they also have martial hubris. So martial hubris in a, in any mission where secondary objectives are being used and an alpha legion army is your army's primary detachment. If the alpha legion army has suffered more units destroyed than their enemy at the end of the game, then their enemy gains plus one victory point. So all the time. Yeah. Uh, cause I've, I can't remember the last time I played a game that didn't have secondary objectives of some sort. Yeah. But you know what this means? Mm. They're worse than Dark Angels now. We're not giving up points anymore. <laughs> oh, happy day. <laughs> um, but yeah, like one VP. I mean, I'm sure that there's horror stories that every Alpha Legion player has of losing the goddamn game or tying the game because of this. One point. Um, but it's really like for the bonus, like. If you're cherry picking a army wide, you know, a yeah, USR, yeah. and you still take more casualties than the other guy. Yeah, like no, no mercy here. Rethink your life. <laughs> um, so onto their specific units, uh, they have a, a specific console that they can take as an upgrade to a centurion for the HQ, the saboteur. Uh, uh, saboteurs make the presence known on the battlefield by the destruction they wreak. Often in opening moments of major engagement, striking against the enemy command structures, vital units, or defenses, leaving the foe reeling before the Alpha Legion's onslaught. I thought I was going to start reading rules, but I realized that's all fluff. Nope, that's all fluff. <laughs> it's good fluff, though. It's, yeah. it's peak Alpha Legion, right? Aha! I pop out from, you know, inside your own tank and uh, do whatever nasty thing I'm going to do. Right. Uh, the war gear that comes along with the saboteur is our melta bombs and camellia line. Camelia line? I've never known how Camellia to pronounce line? Never known how to pronounce I say that. purely because I've listened to a couple of Gaunt's Ghosts on audiobook now. That's fair. Uh. <laughs> uh, the special rules that they come with are Lone Killer. Uh, they cannot be chosen to fulfill a compulsory HQ choice. I mean, join in other units. Okay. So. Yep, they're just on their own. But that's fine. Yep. So it's a support officer, basically, too. Yeah. I was just kind of rolling that rule into with a little extra... Yeah, support officer with extra steps. Yeah, <laughs> special deployment. Uh, they must begin the game in reserve and do not count towards the maximum number of reserve units in the army. They are deployed via the reserve rules and have outflank. Huh. Yeah, I didn't realize that, that they have to start in reserve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, they don't start on the table. You got to hide them. Um, but then they you hide them so they can sabotage something, which is their next special rule. Mm -hmm. uh, at the moment the saboteur enters play, a special sabotage attack is inflicted on the enemy. The controlling player selects a single enemy unit or fortification on the table. This may include independent characters, which may be selected as targets if not part of a unit. And if units are inside transports, then they may not be targeted directly, only their transport. The sabotaged units suffers either D6 strength 6 AP3 hits if it has a toughness value or a single penetrating hit at AP2. Uh, cover saves may not be taken against this attack. That's real rude. Yeah. Um, again, it's it's unlikely, but can score you first blood. Just kind of yeah. You can you can blow up a tank with that. Yeah. He He's, just he yeah. just shows up and is disrespectful to your unit. Um, you have a one in six chance of blowing up someone's mm -hmm. vehicle before the game even begins. Mm -hmm. And it's the moment the saboteur enters play, which means it doesn't get you know interrupted by anything else. Yeah. 
because all of those say after the unit's deployed. Mm-hmm. True. Um, so yeah, it's it's disrespectful. He's not super pricey, right? Like if you just want him for this, give him no extra equipment. Um, of course, you do that. He's probably going to get shot right back. But yeah. such, such is the life of an Alpha Legionnaire. Mm-hmm. And of course, they can't be equipped with Terminator armor, jump pack, jet bikes, space marine bikes, power fists, thunder hammers, or boarding shields. Yeah, because the only thing more rude than having one of these guys magically appear in your enemy's deployment zone, blow something out without doing anything about it, is for the guy to be in Terminator armor with a thunder hammer, <laughs> just like <laughs> waiting. But I'm surprised they don't uh, give him like scout armor or something too. But at that point, I mean, his whole deal is the explosion. So <laughs> yeah, he he lives for that big boom. Yeah, he's fun. He's flavorful. Mm-hmm. He's not compulsory. So you'll you got to take something else, right? Unless you're playing a weird game. Um, Let's see. Uh, other units. We'll skip the uh, right of war right now and come back to them once we uh, go through all the units. Because the units are important for that right of yeah. war. Actually, let's talk to war gear first. Yeah. All right. So the additional war gear that Alpha Legion players get, um, what it looks like, uh, basically their melee weapon is the Power Dagger, which is a strength user minus one, AP three, specialist weapon, and rending, which is neat. Uh, the Power Dagger, I think, is the only weapon I've seen that has a minus to strength. Yeah. Well, because the whole point of the Power Dagger, despite it having you know rending and AP three, is that it's a specialist weapon. So you can pair it with the Power Fist and get an extra attack, mm. and it's only five points. True. So pay five points, get an extra attack for the specialist weapon you actually plan on killing people with. Uh, but, you know, I guess if you got an extra uh, – yeah, it's just any character model. If you got an extra five points laying around, you know, you've already bought everybody melta bombs. Mm-hmm. Uh, sticking this on a sergeant could be funny. Yeah. And it's also to point out that this is in addition to normal options. So. Mm-hmm. I guess they can take this along with other things that they want. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Like I, like they don't have to replace their close combat weapon with mm-hmm, this. Mm-hmm. They just take it for five. Yep, five points, get an extra attack, run around. It's AP three rending. Go nuts. <laughs> um, take two. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like every every Alpha Legion player I've played against. This is an auto-include, right? Sure. Anybody with a power fist has one of these. Anybody with a paragon blade has one of these. Five points for an extra attack. It's great. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next on the list is the Venom Spheres. Uh, This upgrade exchanges the more commonplace frag grenades employed by Space Marines uh, for advanced variants, which contain toxin-impregnated crystalline splinters that have been darkly claimed to be based on Xenos technology. <clears throat> oh wow, that's that's crazy stuff. The Dark Angels say not to spoil anything from Alpharius or anything, but um, yeah, probably, <laughs> probably, with a high degree of confidence, I say it is very likely the case. Um, so this option may be chosen by any frag grenade equipped Praetor, Centurion, or Consul, Tech Marine, or Apothecary. Uh, with the Legion as a starting special rule for five points each, and it replaces frag grenades, uh, or by veteran tactical squads, seeker squads, and destroyer squads for 25 points a squad. 
uh, which is pretty reasonable, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Venom spheres are assault grenades that grant their bearer the Hammer of Wrath special rule. It's pretty fun. Which is hilarious. Uh, just your move through cover, Hammer of Wrath, veteran tactical squads, you yep. know? Uh, yeah, like it. it's not going to work all the time, right? 25 points. Like it's not expensive by any means, but it's also not like a throwaway amount of points. Um, and five points for Hammer of Wrath on a character. Eh? And I don't know. Did they ever – like if you were a character on a jet bike, right? You yeah. already get a Hammer of Wrath attack. Yeah. It's just a it's strength just, user. Yeah, but, but I'm saying, is this worthless or does it grant an extra Hammer of Wrath attack? Oh, um, no, because if you already have the Hammer of Wrath the special rule, I don't think they stack. Yeah. All right. Uh, which is fine. We're, if they already have the rule, yeah, fact, it, this grants the, that – yeah. Bearer the rule. You're just I think being a dummy. Yeah, I think just stacks. Or right. does not stack, excuse me. But still, this this I think would be a lot of most fun um on things like the destroyer squads, right? Just maximum war crime. Yeah. Cause Hammer of Wrath is hilarious. And they got rat grenades too, so that Hammer of yeah. Wrath <laughs> yeah. gives you a little more bite. Ham Hammer of Wrath wounding on threes. Just Smacking people to death. It's great. Yeah. Then they have the Venom Sphere Harness, which is a one-shot weapon, and when fired, the Terminator and any squad they have joined count as having assault grenades and the Hammer of Wrath special rule in the assault phase of that turn. So I love it. Yeah. I love it. It it's weirdly has a range. Yeah. Um. So it's a strength it's a the range is eight inches, strength three, assault two, blast, three inch. And one shot. No AP. No AP. But you're not here for the AP. You're here for the Hammer of Wrath, I guess. Right? Yeah, right. You're you're living the Hammer of Wrath. And honestly, from an Imperial Militia player's standpoint, <clears throat> this is terrifying and supremely disheartening. Uh, That's fair. <laughs> because anything with a blast weapon, like anything with a blast weapon at all, is just going to tear holes through my poor militia because I don't play Survivors of a Dark Age. But yeah, it's fun. And a fun, like, 8-inch range. You know. Yeah, I mean, so you're we, using it when you're charging. Yeah, so you, you, dump it, you dump it on somebody, you charge. So they, you know, if you're lucky, you've killed a space marine with it. Mm -hmm. But then all of your Terminators get Hammer of Wrath. Yeah, even if you miss, you still get Hammer of Wrath. That's true. It just has to be fired, mm -hmm. not, not cause wounds or hit or anything like that. Yep. Just got to use it. Yeah, that's handy. Uh, but I will say, the peak... Alpha Legion weapon, the one that is the bane of my poor Space Wolves, uh, are the Bane Strike Bolter Rounds. Mm. Uh, these mysterious variant Bolter shells, believed to have been designed in secret within the armories of the Alpha Legion long before the outbreak of the Horus Heresy, had it seems a sole purpose to breach the Ceramite power armor of Space Marines. Used openly for the first time at the Dropside Massacre on Istvan 5, their dense explosive cores and firing stresses reduced their range and swiftly degraded the firing weapon, but their effect against the betrayed legions was devastating. Fortunately for the loyalists, supplies of these difficult-to-manufacture munition rounds were limited, and only the Alpha Legion and the Sons of Horus were able to field them in substantial numbers beyond that incident of brutal treachery. Uh, Bane Strike rounds are used in bolters, uh, and pretty much it, for a bolt gun or a combi bolter, it drops the range down to 18 inches. Mm -hmm. uh, and then heavy bolters, um, 36 inches, strength 584. That's the same, right? I'm not losing my mind. No, that's right. 
That, that, that's a standard heavy bolter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So bolt gun and combi bolter get a bit of a ding. Uh, heavy bolter, it's exactly the same, except they have the Bane Strike special rule. Mm-hmm. When rolling to wound, results of a six with this weapon are at AP3. That's really good. Disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've... I have a a minor terror of these things. Having once had a uh, Gray Slayer squad come at, I think it was Jason's just squad with this. Uh-huh. Um, and they were squad. just like, ha, 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 you failed your charge? Rapid fire. God, it was miserable. Mm. <laughs> and then he rolled like seven sixes to wound. I was like, oh, well, that's half the squad dead. Great, great. Yeah. Happy to be here. Glad to be playing. Yeah, and, and overwatching, mm-hmm. every hit you have is a Bane Strike is AP3. So. Uh, well, it's rolling to wound. Not, not oh, to wound. It's Excuse wound. me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but still. Still. <laughs> you, yeah. You, you never want to be on the receiving end of it. Yeah. Uh, so Seeker squads can have it for free. Uh and then Legion veteran tactical squads and Terminator squads with the Alpha Legion special rule may take them for 20 points a squad. So, yep, maximize those squad sizes. Yeah. Get the most bang for the buck. And honestly, I really like this, even though I'm not sure I've ever seen it in practice. I like the concept of this in the Terminator squads. Yeah. Like the big 10 man turn, like a pride of the Legion. Just that would, yeah, that'd be pretty good. Yeah. Just because not to mention very imposing. Yes. Yeah. Terminators are supposed to be fucking scary. Yeah. They're supposed to be fucking scary. And really, how it tends to play out in 30K and 40K is that if they're not in combat with you, beating you to death with power fists, eh, yeah. they're just kind of <laughs> tanky, right? They're still yeah. shooting a bolter at you. It's not the end of the world. Right. Um, this However, a, yeah, a lot more lethality. Yeah, a lot more lethality, and like they're going to be twin, twin linked from the combi bolters, because uh, yeah. it's just twenty points per squad, either way, right? Yeah, that's so, kind of interesting. So you get definitely your get your ten man Terminator squadron, combi bolters, mm-hmm. bane strike. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> it's super fun. I find it interesting that it is the same points, even with the Terminators or the. Uh, uh, veteran squads. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why. My my guess might be kind of purpose and use, right? Yeah. Plus, the veterans can also get special rules to increase their. Yeah, veterans can do other things to increase their lethality, but also, if your veteran squad still has a bolter, it's probably going to be standing back and shooting, so to get yeah. more use out of it. Well, there's Terminator squad. Your 10-man Scorminator squad really enjoys the Bane Strike ammo, but it's still going to want to beat somebody to death in close combat. <laughs> so, like, maybe that's kind of their their balancing mechanic for it. I don't know. Definitely just a fun extra toy. Yeah. And again, 20 points. Imminently reasonable. Uh, and then independent characters can take it uh, on their bolt gun or combi bolter for five points. Um Beyond the style of it, I don't know why you would, because why does your character have a bolt gun. <laughs> uh, like, you got all these different weapons in the, yeah. in the chest. Give, give the man a paragon blade and a plasma pistol. What are you yep. doing? Go be a hero. That's right. Uh, yeah, for five points. Yeah, I mean, it's five points. but Use exclusively Bane Strike ammunition. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of weird how they point that out, because... Well, I mean, the regular ammo is an extra six-inch range. 
That's true. Oh, okay. Yep, and yep, yep, yep. There That's will, right. There will, that is the downside, is that you will inevitably find yourself 20 inches away from somebody and really regret that. Um, as someone who has a lot of Laslocks in their army, I can say 18-inch range sounds great in theory. Mm-hmm. Can bite you in the ass on occasion. And going back to the heavy bolter, I think the only uh, – I guess the veterans can take a heavy bolter. You can get two of those guys in there. Yeah. I think that's the only person, the only uh, unit that can take the heavy bolters in yeah. that list. Because I don't think uh, Seekers can. Yeah, I don't think so. I think it's just the vets. Which is probably why they don't bother changing the stat for it. Because Probably. Yeah. <laughs> don't want don't to confuse your all your heavy bolters in your list, right? Yeah. Although I think the veterans, they have they get the harness, the assault harness on there too. Oh, you know, that could be why it's the same points per squad. Because the veterans are getting the heavy bolters upgraded out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, maybe there's a reason to it. Yeah, fun stuff. Oh, yeah. Solid war gear. All right, on to their special units, which they have a fast attack, an elite, and a couple of HQs. But we'll go with the fast attack first. The Headhunter Kill Teams, Alpha Legion only, at 175 points. The histories of the Great Crusade record that it was the Alpha Legion that conceived of the deployment of Legion Seeker Squads, a unit configuration that spread to other legions as the Great Crusade expanded outwards. The Legion did not halt at Seeker Squads, however, and has since fielded a further refinement of the concept in the form of Headhunter Kill Teams. These supremely skilled infiltrators specialize in creating conditions of all-consuming chaos among the enemy's ranks, sowing confusion by eliminating key officers, positions, and assets. In doing so, the headhunters bring about a tipping point in a battle or an entire campaign, the fulcrum upon which the fate of worlds is balanced. Headhunter kill teams are made up of the most skilled infiltrators and assassins in the Alpha Legion and fielded at the direct command of a senior commander. They have access to some of the most prized war gear their legion can provide, including special ammunition conceived specifically to penetrate armor up to and including Legionis Astartes battle plate. In the ranks of a legion already renowned for its ability, ability to infiltrate, misdirect, and assassinate, the headhunter kill teams are nigh unsurpassed, and with their deeds known beyond their legion, they would be feared the galaxy over. Headhunter kill teams at 175 points. Base unit composition is four headhunters and a headhunter prime. Their uh, stats are mostly standard uh, space marines. Their ballistic skill is up to five. And uh, leadership is the same. The headhunter prime, the sergeant more or less, has an extra attack. And they're all at three up saves. They are infantry, and headhunter prime is infantry character. They come equipped with power armor, a bolt pistol, a combi bolter with Bane Strike ammunition, a power dagger, crack grenades, and venom spheres. Basically, uh, pretty much all the uh, special, yeah, right? All the special, special stuff that we just talked about. Uh, uh, they have the Legionis Astartes Alpha Legion rules, precision shot, and infiltrate. So what At, does precision shot get you again? Uh, precision shot. Uh, when you roll a six to hit with a shooting attack, uh, you are allowed to allocate against a specific model of your choice. They can still make lookout rolls, but they are uh, character killers. Yeah, they're they're certainly going to blow out that uh, Vexilla or Apothecary in the squad because mm-hmm. the whole damn unit is firing, and they all have Bane Strike ammunition and Combi Bolters. Yep. So, but hopefully. interestingly, their Bolt Pistol does not have Bane Strike ammunition. True. 
but uh, honestly, it's probably a good thing. Yeah. And they may either take a Legion Rhino or Dreadclaw as a dedicated transport. And if either of these options are chosen, the squad can no longer infiltrate. Hey folks, it's Jesse from the future. After recording, went back through the FAQ and realized I had overlooked the Headhunter updates. Uh, they also include now Implacable Advance and Preferred Enemy Infantry as well. And also with dedicated transports, they may choose a Legion Rhino or Dreadclaw Drop Pod as a dedicated transport without losing Infiltrate. The Headhunter Kill Team can take up to five additional Headhunters at 25 points each, and they can upgrade their Kami Bolters with Bane Strike to Kami Weapons with Bane Strike ammunition. So turning from Bolters to basically whatever Kami weapon you want. Oh, yeah. Right, right. Upgrade their Kami Bolter to a Kami Weapon Base. Yeah, that's... Yeah. And that's what'll get you. A Kami Volkite would be pretty nice, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you can keep firing that without having to run out, which is nice. Yep, yep. Or like Kambi Melta, you know, you want to vary vary the squad role, right? Yeah, if they're infiltrating. Like infiltrate, take out that Spartan. Yeah. Bane strike ammunition, whatever's inside, mm-hmm. as long as it's not Terminators. True. Uh, one model in the kill team, which is what they... Yeah, okay. It's a head Oh, the kill team, team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One model in the kill team. <laughs> got got playing another game there for a second. Yeah. <laughs> May exchange their Kami Bolter with Bane Strike ammunition for a heavy bolter with Suspenser Web and Bane Strike ammunition for 10 points. And the Headhunter Prime can exchange their bolt pistol for one of the following. A Plasma Pistol, an Inferno Pistol, or a Power Fist for 15 points. See, I haven't seen an Inferno pistol in a while. That's kind of neat to see. It's a little Melta pistol. It's yeah. great. I love uh, them. They're my they're my favorite pistol. Yep. The, the Prime can also exchange their Power Dagger for a Power Weapon for 10 points or a Power Fist for 15. And they may take Melta Bombs for 5 points and Artificer Armor for 10. The Prime. Yeah. And I don't know why. Like, Well, I do know why, right? If you wanted to have an Inferno pistol and still have a Power Fist, you'd get rid of that Power Dagger. Um, but if you're not specifically hunting like vehicles or terminators, I feel like the answer is trade out his bolt pistol for a power fist mm. and uh, keep that dagger and run around with an extra power fist attack. Slash and smash. Yep. Live that dream. Uh, and I, I love these squads. Like it's overpriced, right? It's a little overpriced, but it's just so damn theme cool. Mm-hmm. It's a fast attack, so you can you can get a couple of these squadrons mm-hmm. in your standard uh, force organization chart. These guys come with infiltrate for free, and that's what makes them amazing. Yep. Like at the end of the day, they're still only guys with power armor. So if you go go too crazy with them, they just gonna die. Yeah. Um, but there is a lot to be said for you know infiltrating up to somebody mm-hmm. and just nuking you know, whatever transport they're in or combi plasma and just dumping it all into a Terminator squad or... And that also allows you to use your mutable tactics on something else besides infiltrate. Yeah, yeah. You can scout and infiltrate if you want to. (laughs) Yeah, or move through cover, right? Infiltrate up to 18, run into a building and know you're going to get into that second floor or get far enough in that everybody will be in cover, things like that. Mm -hmm. So pretty lethal uh, group here. Mm Mm-hmm. Synergizes well with every everything they got going on. Yeah. Again, if you want to take a drop pod, eh. eh I like honestly, I I wouldn't take a, a rhino or a drop pod or a dread claw. Um, unless it was whatever right of war was making me. Sure. Just because he infiltrates so much fun, but can't hurt. 
Yeah, or uh, give them counterattack just in case. Mm-hmm. Um, Warmonger is always fun. Yeah, yeah. Drop a warmonger in there yeah, with the we'll, Bane Strike ammunition. We'll, we'll get to the our our preferred consoles in a moment, but yeah, I do I do really like that one for them. I mean, I'll be honest. The warmonger is just pretty much an awesome all around console, right? We can we can fluff him into whatever yeah. legion we <laughs> just teleport whatever. It's Don't fun. worry about it. Um, speaking of teleporting, whatever. Uh, there's the Lernian Terminator squad, right? So these are their special snowflake Terminators. They're amazing. Uh, though the Alpha Legion maintains and fields the entire spectrum of Legionis Astartes unit configurations, few know of the Lernian Terminator squads. This is not because they seek to obscure their existence, but rather because they rarely leave behind any witnesses of their deeds. <laughs> the Larnians are, like the beast that is their namesake and the icon of the Legion, an unformed legend and the object of shrouded dread. They are the grinding jaws of the many-headed Hydra, the furious assault from the unexpected quarter, and like the beast of myth, they are impossible to slay. The Lernians are clad in cataphracty tactical dreadnought armor chased with Baroque finery and are armed with Volkite chargers, making them fearsome close assault and vanguard spearhead units against which few enemies can stand. In battle, they advance relentlessly upon the foe, descending with controlled fury and slaying any enemy not driven to rout before them. Having secured their objective, they hold it stubbornly against all counterattacks, like the Grace Beast with its jaws clamped firmly about its doomed prey. Volkite cataphracty terminators are the devil. <laughs> um, they're 225 points for five. Uh, they're your standard fancy terminators, uh, weapon skill five, uh, only one wound, which is, I think, a product of them being from an older book. Uh, a lot well, of the, well, no. the dark angel ones are one wound too. So you know, nobody loves dark angels. <sighs> Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like it's always a bit of a bummer to see a one wound like specialist terminator because they're so pricey. They're so pr- two hundred twenty five points for five. You get they're forty points a piece to add them in, right? Yeah. Uh, however, they are real, real nasty. Um, they have two attacks each. Normal terminators have two attacks each, right? I want to say yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm trying desperately. Um, <laughs> so their war gear, obviously the cataphracty Terminator armor, power axes, and Volkite chargers. Uh, I love their unique loadout. It is right. Um, power axes—they're great. I love—I love a good power axe. You know, they're not—they're not as angry about life as a power fist is, uh, but they certainly get the job done. Volkite chargers are just disrespectful to anything not in power armor and to a lot of things that are in power armor. Um, they're a mulch unit. Yeah. Um, uh, so regular Legion Terminators uh, have two attacks. Uh, so do sergeants in the standard Terminator. Mm-hmm. So this one gets an extra Oh, so attack. the hero gets an extra attack. I thought there was something weird with that stat line. Um, so your hero is getting an extra attack. He's a little better at killing other care, like sergeant equivalents in a challenge. Mm. Um yeah, man, Power Axe and Volkite Charger. The, these are not guys, well, I mean, they kind of are guys to go up against somebody else's A-list, right? Um, unfortunately, a lot of the A-list combat Terminators are two wounds apiece. And uh, because you only have a Power Axe, you're not instant deathing people. Yeah. Um, but it's 
you know, it's strength five. It's nothing to sneeze at. Strength five AP two. That'll get the job done. Right? That being said, I mean, on a Terminator, a power, like, I guess a power axe technically is cheaper than a power fist. But at the end of the day. It is. You're wounding on threes instead of twos against, like, other Terminators. But you're uh, still striking last. You're still striking last. Um, the Volkite, I think, is where they stand. The Volkite, the Volkite is the rude part about it, right? <laughs> like strength five, AP five, that dumb 15 inch range that I always forget. 15 is the range, right? I'm used yeah. to like 12 and 18. It's such an odd range. Um, Assault two, but for some reason, the iPad also says a uh, deflagrate 16. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> the one rule we've all missed. <laughs> it's like those damn close combat weapon or, uh, Oh knives, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> anyway, we're just shitting on everybody today, but um, yeah, no, the, these guys are definitely for just ruining kind of basic squads of things, right? Yeah. Like, again, at the Power X, eh, you, you probably don't want to fight other Terminators with these guys um, unless you Volkite charge with them to death a little bit beforehand. Because mm. uh, yeah, I mean, everybody's like, oh, it's only AP5, it's not the end of the world. It is the end of the world. Man, if you get 10 of these guys, the Deflagrate can hurt. Yep. You're, you're taking, you know, they're... That's 20 shots. Yeah, 20. You get them in range first, and maybe, let's see, four or five wounds, potentially. Yeah. It's an extra dead guy. Yeah. Right? Like, by the time you get, you get down to it. Well, strength five, so yeah, probably more wounds than five, but... Oh, yeah, um... I don't do don't, the math. Don't quote, don't <laughs> quote me on the math. Uh, 20 hit with two thirds of those is. Un- yeah, we'll say yeah. five. <laughs> we're, we're not here for math, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and then they've got uh, the kind of standard thing. You can add another five on 40 points each. You can upgrade any of them to power fists for five points each or chain fists for 10 points each. So if you. I, I never like upgrading everybody to chain fists. Upgrading yeah. a couple isn't the end of the world. Like they can go just beat the dog shit out of a dreadnought, <laughs> right? Because uh, that would make them strength eight armor bane and yeah, just mulch mulch dreadnoughts. Um, uh, the power fist, eh, like it's a cheap upgrade, right? It's on- yeah. only five points, um, so it's essentially getting. But now you're hitting. Yeah, it's five points to get now you're hitting one better strength, wound. Yeah, now you're hitting at strength eight instead of strength five. And insta-deathing those pesky two-wound Terminators that think they're better than you. And special characters. Yep. Yep. So if you... Nobody yeah. wants to get hit with a strength eight weapon nope. when you're a space do not, marine. Do not. <laughs> so, you know, if... Plus iron hands, yeah. so they don't care. Yeah, they don't give a shit. Um, so, you know, if, if you know that, like, hey, I'm going to be fighting those types of guys, it's not, you know... Five points a model isn't the end of the world, right? Right. Um, and then for every five you, you have, you can give uh, swap out the Volkite Charger for a Plasma Blaster, Heavy Flamer, or Conversion Beamer. Uh, the Conversion Beamer, I think, kind of works against where you want the rest of the squad, mm-hmm. you know, because it gets better the further away stuff is. Uh, heavy Flamer, Plasma Blaster, they both have their place. Um, but I'd be hard pressed to spend the 15 and 10 points respectively to swap them out. Sure. Cause a Volkite charger is just real nasty on its own. Right. So, eh. I like the heavy flamer plasma blasters. Okay. I like how it's 
Not a blast weapon, despite having blast in its name. It's blaster in the old school. Yeah. It's Han Solo style <laughs> blaster. It's a fun weapon. I'm not yeah, it's lie. strength seven, AP two, get a little extra range at 18 inches. Gets hot and you're rolling two dice and there's no uh, re-roll on that. So yeah, do hey, with what you will. I put gets hot on militia. Like, And you got a, you got a Terminator. You got a Terminator. What, what are the odds, right? What are the odds? You roll two ones in a row. And if you think about it, it's 50%. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I'd leave the conversion beamer at home because that's not what you want with Terminators. No, you're going places and doing things. Uh, and then the harrower, the sergeant, can also have venom spear harness for 10 points and a mastercrafted weapon for 10 points. Mastercrafted weapon on sergeants is always kind of, do you have 10 points to spare? Uh, at least for me, venom sphere harness, take it. It's real good. Yeah, give your guys hammer of wrath. Yeah. Be, be hammer of wrath. Throw a couple of blast templates out on somebody. Mm-hmm. Be a little rude about it. It's laugh. It's yeah. fun. Laugh. It's fine. It's what you're here for. And give your uh, harrower a mastercrafted uh, Volkite charge if you wanted to. Right. <laughs> I don't know why you would, but. But, yep. And implacable advance, which. Yeah. So, yeah. like, they're they're kind of bog standard, but they're not. Yep. Pride of the Legion, they can be your bulk troop mm-hmm. if you want mm-hmm. to. Yeah, and they're not overly expensive for like a Terminator squad doing all this Terminator-y stuff. And like I said, Volkite. Yeah. Fun. Volkite's fun. And they do not teleport. Unless you give them a warmonger. Unless you give them a warmonger, <laughs> which is our answer to everything. All right. Moving on to the HQs. We have Armillus Dynat, Hero Master of the Alpha Legion, Griefbringer, in Star 9. At 200 points. As with much of his mysterious legion, little can be said for certain about the origins or character of the Alpha Legion commander known as Armillus Dynet, whose name itself may be an artificial construction using mimetic factors from several different dead Terran dialects, meaning approximately the False Prince, False Prophet Who Destroys With Power. Pictorial reference for this officer is only available thanks to the recordings of Ultramarines, attached remembrancers present at the Palsine War Council, where Dynat is recorded as having infamously sparred with Marius Gage over the conduct of war after the Ultramarines' repulsed attack during the Battle of Arsana Bay. He is known to be a formidable strategist with a penchant for unorthodox and highly intricate attack plans often designed to pull apart and maim enemy formations before a killing blow is delivered, and a master of integrated fast armor and close air support tactics. Armillus Dynat is thought to have been a theater commander during the notorious Testra campaign, and the mastermind behind the Onesi genocide. His name quickly became infamous during the Horus Heresy as a feared strike commander, beginning with the invasion of Paramar. Which I believe the the Heresy grad school guys discussed Paramar... Uh, last year, a year or two ago, but it's definitely one of their topics. So yeah. go back through the books or go back through our uh, uh, podcast listings and you should be able to find it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so hey, I always wanted to play a genocidal maniac. Armillus Dynat, <laughs> weapon skill six, ballistic skill five. There's so many to choose from in this game. Strength four, toughness four, wounds four, initiative five, three attacks, leadership 10, two up save. You're looking at basically a a uh, Praetor. Uh, he's unique character. Huh. So you realize he's not independent character. That's huh. an oversight. Yeah, that's got That's an oversight. <laughs> yeah, no. Special rules, independent. Oh, that's he's, right. That's right. Yeah. Because, yeah. We're fine. We're fine. All right. 
He is a character, uh, war gear, comes with artificer armor, crack grenades, venom spheres, an iron halo, a thunder hammer, a power sword, phosphex bomb, and cognus signum. And I love everything about that. Uh, yeah, he comes with a thunder hammer and a power sword. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. actually kind of cool. Yeah, take, take your pick. He's got a phosphex bomb, which I think are hilarious. And most mm-hmm. importantly for me, he's got an iron halo because nothing, Yeah, like I'm paranoid with my commanders. Nothing pisses me off more than an independent character that can't get an invul save. Yeah. So the Cognus Signum, which is really neat. Um, I don't use this too often, but it's really good. Uh, they have, gives the character night vision and uh, counts as being equipped with an augury scanner, for the which is pretty handy for the infiltrating and deep striking opponents. And in lieu of shooting with a weapon, you can give a, a player's unit within six inches of the model a plus one to their blisk skill for that shooting phase. Yeah, which is real, real nice. Very handy. Um, especially when you're fishing for sixes to wound, right? Mm-hmm. Just pack on as many hits as possible. Yep. Uh, he has Legion of Sestardi's Alpha Legion, Independent Character, Master of the Legion, The Harrowing, Weapon Mastery, Jealous Command, A Warlord, if he is your warlord, he has the Hammer Strike Assault trait, and Precision Strike. So some of these special rules, The Harrowing, he is a master of the bloody killing blow delivered to a wounded and encircled foe. Like the solution to a murderous puzzle, he is viciously adept at determining and enacting through his legion the precise pattern of attack to exploit confusion and panic to their maximum effort. Tipping a wavering enemy over the edge into the abyss of death. Whew. Okay. <laughs> while, while in the enemy deployment zone, all units and with the Legion of Astartes Alpha Legion special rule as well as Alpha Legion Dreadnoughts in the same detachment as Armillus Dynat, may re-roll their sweeping advance and add plus one to any results they inflict on the vehicle damage table. Uh, weapon Mastery. He has two co- close combat weapons and may wield them simultaneously, splitting his attacks between them in close combat as desired. Uh, jealous Command. If he is chosen as part of the army, he must be the Warlord, unless Alpharius is there, mm-hmm. which... I thought he was always there. Alpharius is always there, but also he can't be the he can be the warlord if Omegon is there. Mm. And a hammer strike assault. One chosen infantry unit in the same primary detachment as the warlord gains the deep strike rule if it did not already possess it, and may re-roll the deep strike scatter die on the turn it arrives, which is really really handy. Yeah, who needs a warmonger? <laughs> So, we've got our Millistinet hanging yeah, around. Yeah. So, and he's 200 points. That's that's a steal. Yeah, he's a very cheap Praetor, and he comes loaded. Mm-hmm. Like a Thunderhammer, I thought, if I remember right, it's like 25 points Yeah, for a base Thunderhammer, and you're getting that practically for free, because mm-hmm. I think uh, Praetor's off base is 195, 200? No. I mean, by the time you get him tooled up, my Praetors are like 220. Let's see. Yeah, standard Praetor is... 100 points. What am I thinking? Well, you're thinking, Centurions, yeah, 50, you're okay. thinking of after giving him artificer arm yeah. and a weapon and a invul save. and all, It stacks yeah. up. And a Hecatonistica special rule for 25 points. Hecatonistica rule for 25 points. <laughs> Not all of us are I mean, I'm just going, yeah, witches. Okay. That being okay, be said, <laughs> yeah, a good price. Got lots of phosphex bomb. Always a hilarious time. Ah, oh, disrespectful. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. Yeah, uh, the harrowing, being have to be in the enemy deployment zone to get that plus one 
to the vehicle damage table and to uh, re-roll sweeping advance. That's doable. Eh, but also, but you deep strike. True. One unit, though. But the unit he's in, right? That's right. fair. And I guess, I mean, these guys are infiltrating, too, probably. Yeah. If you're uh, taking the infiltrate, you can get into the deployment mm-hmm. zone sooner. Yeah, so that's like that's a good point. It's a pain in the ass until you realize that Alpha Legion can be wherever they want to be. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I, I really like Armillus Dianet. Uh He's got a model, right? Uh, I believe so. I'm almost mm-hmm. positive, yeah. Either way. He does. Uh, they do have a lovely lovely art for him in this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, for all of you madmen, uh, like me, who enjoy freehanding, uh, hopefully <laughs> some of you are better than I am at it, because he's got like triple hydras on like the side of his face. Just like three like hydra heads coming at it. Yeah, he does have the Forge World model. Yeah, he's got the Forge World model. Uh, so remember, he's not our Milistinat if he doesn't have the Hydra tattoo on the side of his head. Uh, so take that under advisement. Uh, but he's great. He's a lot of fun. Um, this is this is actually when I was planning my Alpha Legion list. It was one of the guys that I just really wanted to have in there because he's so like he's cool in the fluff. He's cool in the rules. He's cool for a model. Like, yeah, and he's only two hundred points. Yeah, great all around. Mm-hmm. The next one is Exodus, the Assassin, which is peak uh, cringe Alpha Legion. <laughs> really just, oh, Exodus. It's fine. You, you're, you're a sniper. We get it. You kill people. You're weird. Um, well, not really a sniper. We'll get there. Uh, none <laughs> can say whether Exodus is a single individual or one of several supremely skilled assassins operating at the behest of the uppermost echelons of the Alpha Legion. Certainly the name, or coded identifier Exodus, has appeared in multiple Vox Change and order logs in many different war zones, sometimes contemporaneously. This in itself is unlikely to be accidental given the Alpha Legion's mastery of deception in all its forms. Whatever the truth, the space marine known as Exodus must rank among the most skilled killers outside of the assassin clades of the Officio Assassinorum. His skill at arms is born of the convergence of the will, psychology, and conditioning of a space marine with the fieldcraft and panoply of arms and war gear of an assassin. So adept is Exodus that he is said to rival even the marksman of Clade Vindicare in his ability to insinuate himself into position and deliver the killing shot at the pivotal moment in a campaign. Some histories claim that as many as a dozen worlds have been brought to compliance with only a single shot having been fired. By striking down a recalcitrant figurehead or high commander, preferably in full view of their followers, Exodus can achieve with that one round what the expenditure of billions of rounds, charges, and shells might never bring about. Uh, So like classic Alpha Legion, right? His whole job is to go in, kill that one dude, and get out. Uh, He's 115 points, weapon skill 5, BS 6, strength toughness of 4, 3 wounds, initiative 5, 2 attack, leadership 9, in power armor for that three-up save. Uh, he's got crack grenades, venom sphere, melt-a-bomb, power dagger, bolt pistol, the instrument, <laughs> and camellia line. Uh, special rules, independent character, infiltrate, move through cover, scout, lone killer, assassin, shot, acute senses, and it will not die. So for, for the weird stuff in there, uh, lone killer, uh, again, can't be at compulsory HQ, uh, can't be the army's warlord. He can't join anybody except Legion reconnaissance squads or Alpha Legion headhunter kill teams. So if you're really rocking that headhunter theme, 
bring him along. He's a good time. Uh, assassin shot on any to hit roll of four up for a shooting attack. Exodus controlling player may choose which model an, an enemy unit is hit rather than following the usual procedure for signing hits and saves. So long as the chosen model is within line of sight. Uh, and that's on a four up. So, you know, more than half the time that he hits. Well, he's BS six. I guess. Yeah. A little more than half the time he'll be picking out his target. Uh, and then he has the instrument. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, Exodus carries a unique sniper rifle of unknown design and providence, which seemingly uses a mixture of advanced bolter weaponry and gravitic accelerator technology. The weapon has two fire modes and therefore two profiles. Pick which one to use each time you, the weapon is fired. So it's got a rapid shot, uh, range 36 inches, strength 5 AP4, salvo 2-4 rending, Hilarious. Mm. Uh, and then the execution shot. 36 inch range, strength six, AP three, heavy one, rending, lethal ignores cover. Lethal is this attack inflicts two wounds per unsaved wounding hit rather than one. Uh, so a fun little package for 115 points, I tell you. Um, the Camellia line really just makes me want to stick him in ruins on his own. I'd use him as that Vindicare assassin that I can't actually get in this game. And let's see, move through cover, confers to a whole group, yep. scouts. Yeah, scout also confers. Yeah, it's true. If you don't, if you, if you want to get kind of more tactical use out of him, you can stick him in a squad. Um, yeah, stick with uh, the headhunters would be yeah, nice. Like, you know, Recon well, squads wouldn't be too bad either if you want a bunch of uh, sniper rifle reconners just mm-hmm. taking out characters. Yeah. That'd yeah. be a good way to do it. They could certainly get the job done. Wild. Yeah, he's a lot of fun. I like the ignore cover heavy one uh, that does two wounds per un- or two wounds per unsaved wounding hit. Yeah. Rather than each unsaved wound causes two wounds because it makes you roll more dice. Right. You know? You're more likely to get that one and kill that, you know, take that last wound off a guy for Slay the Warlord or something. Mm-hmm. All right. Now we have the big guy. Alpharius, Primarch of the Alpha Legion, the Aleph Null, the Hydra, the Threefold Serpent, the Final Configuration. <laughs> Is he a Transformer? Doesn't think much of himself, does he? No. Men will die for the truth, but death alone does not make a thing true. The truth does not cease to exist because it goes unheeded. The Book of Censure. At 415 points. Of all the Primarchs of the Legionis Astartes, Alpharius is without doubt the most stepped, steeped in mystery, legend, contradiction, and deliberate falsification. Some even claim that the Alpha Legion has more than one Primarch, though it is entirely possible that this belief is itself but part of an elaborate misdirection on the part of Alpharius intended to further his Legion's goals. The Primarch of the Alpha Legion shrouds himself in mystery, often moving unseen even amongst the ranks of his own Legion. However, when the time comes to cast off the cloak of misdirection, Alpharius is an awe-inspiring a being as any of the primarchs of the Legionis Astartes. Clad in armor forged in the manner of some terrifying beast of ancient Terran myth, and armed with a fearsome panoply of weapons of unknown provenance, Alpharius bestrides the battlefield like a figure from legend. Like the Hydra he and his legion take as their symbol, in battle Alpharius fights by repeated attacks from multiple and unexpected quarters. None can predict where or how the Primarch will strike, what weapon he will bring to bear, 
or which of his many different forces will fight at his side. In many cases, the enemy are not even aware that they are fighting until the very moment battle is joined, at which point they have already doomed to total and utter defeat at the hands of this most cunning, devious, and duplicitous of all the Primarchs of the Legionus Astartes. Alpharius has a weapon skill of 7, a ballistic skill of 7, strength, toughness, wounds, initiative, all 6, 5 attacks, leadership 10, and a 2-up save. He is a unique infantry character with the Pythian Scales, Venom Spheres, Mastercrafted Plasma Blaster, the Pale Spear, Annuncio Vox, Acognis Signum, Chameleoline as war gear. His special rules include Primarch, which is independent character, eternal warrior, fear, adamantium will, fleet, fearless, it will not die, master of the legion, precision strike, and precision shot. Sire of the Alpha Legion, one of many, insidious mastermind, and bulky. Oh, and you can only take him as part of a traitor faction army. <laughs> oh, no. It does annoy me a little that he has a unit composition of one unique instead of being a zero to two selection in any Alpha Legion army. Spoiler alert for those of you that haven't read Legion for some region, reason <laughs> and care about this. Or any Alpha Legion book at that point. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, although I will say for those of you that have read Legion after like the heresy had been out, you know, the books have been out for a long time, like Will. Mm-hmm. I remember when Will first read Legion, I was so excited for it. Because the reveal that there are two Primarchs in the Alpha Legion was like, ah, my, like, it blew my fucking mind. Yeah. When, like, everybody I knew that read it was like, oh my God, like, this is just wild. And, like, so it was right when it came out, right yeah. when it confirmed. Yeah, because, like, it, it had never even come up. Like, that wasn't yeah. even a thing yeah. before Legion, uh, except in a couple of instances that goes back to, like, pre. 30k pre the the series where it's like oh some pri- like primarchs like they might be related to like the uh astrology or the, astrology yeah astrology like the symbols there yeah, I remember you mentioning that before yeah, like um and it, it comes up again in I think Horus Rising he briefly mentions that like oh yeah like I'm the Sagittarius and there's Gemini and Scorpius yeah. and all of that and I'm like Gemini is the twins and I remember thinking like well, is that supposed to be like Dorn and Perturabo because yeah. they're kind of the same? Or like, who the hell? No. Straight up Alpharius. Straight up, there's <laughs> two of them. Shit. <laughs> um, but I remember Will read the book. And of course, like, you know. This was you, after the uh, the meme to death. Yeah, like after <laughs> everybody knows it, right? Like, because he wasn't into Alpha Legion. Like, like you do, right? There's plenty of people, most people, I'd assume, that read kind of the first three in the series and then just whatever my Legion is yeah, in. Yeah. Um, so there's plenty of people that didn't read it. And then they, you find out because it's been memed to death and everybody talks about it. And then you go back and read Legion and that's like the big reveal in the book. And he was like, I didn't think it was that good. Like there wasn't even any good fluff reveals. So I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Let's get this. Been there, done that. Uh, oh, well. Anyway. Uh, I know. I'm just getting off track now. So yeah, uh, the special rules. For Sire of the Alpha Legion, Alpharius has preferred enemy everything, counterattack, move through cover, scout and crusader special rules, and these only apply when his presence has been revealed. See the one of many special rule below. 
All models with the Legion of Astartes special rule in the same army as Otharius gain the preferred enemy everything special rule while he is on the table and has been revealed. That's real damn good. Mm -hmm. And that puts him up to, let's see, how many special rules if you include Primark? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, oh. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Yes. Alpharius has 20 special rules. One for every Primark. <laughs> Practically. But when we think about it, it's like, shit. That's just too much. <laughs> it's a lot. Although he does have the best, like, of all the fluffy Primarch rules, yes, I think the one of many is the best, um, just for encapsulating all of it. Yeah. Right? So rather than deploying Alpharius or placing him in reserve as normal, his controlling player might opt to deploy him covertly using the one of many special rule. So you don't have to. Mm -hmm. You can. Uh, after both sides are deployed, before the game begins, Alpharius's controlling player should secretly note down on a piece of paper which of their eligible units the Primarch has concealed himself within, and then place this note to one side until it's called for. Eligible units for use in conjunction with this special rule are any units with both the infantry type and Legionis Astartes Alpha Legion special rule from the army's primary detachment. At the start of any of Alpharius's controlling players' turns, from the second turn onward, they may choose to reveal the Primarch by showing the contents of the note. Alpharius's model immediately replaces a single rank-and-file model, uh, i.e. not a character or independent character, from the unit and may act as normal from that point. The model he replaces is lost. This may be done if the chosen unit is inside a transporter building without impediment so long as there is sufficient transport capacity within for him. Because presumably they just keep his extra bulky armor on top mm. if it's a full ride, I guess. Um, should the unit that Alpharius appears in be falling back, it immediately rallies, regardless of any other rules or effects to the contrary. If the chosen unit has been destroyed by any means or Alpharius's model cannot be placed on the table for some reason, uh, such as limitation of space, transport capacity, or the unit isn't on the table, uh, then Alpharius is instead placed in ongoing reserves. If turn five is reached without the prime, with the Primarch still in concealment, Alpharius is revealed automatically. Um, which is great because he is well known for just hanging out in regular power armor. <laughs> And being kind of short for a Primarch, and Alpha Legionnaires being kind of tall for Legionaries, uh, so nobody really ever seems to tell the difference. Uh, his Legion also has the habit of looking exactly like him. Uh, not, not because of the Sons of Horus version, where they just kind of genetically, through the process, look a lot like Horus on occasion. Uh, Alpha Legionnaires do a shit ton of plastic surgery. Uh, to look more and more like Alpharius, which is just weird. Yeah, it's pretty wild. But, yeah. I mean, if they have a specific purpose for that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's that purpose is for funsies. Yeah. What uh, kind of person would have their legion just do plastic surgery to look like them? I'll tell you who. An insidious mastermind. An insidious mastermind. Which is the name of this, which is the name of this special rule here. Alpharius is perhaps the most devious commander in the Imperium. With a labyrinthine mind able to both predict the actions of others with uncanny precision and manipulate his foes into unwittingly doing his wishes, often sealing their own doom in the process. So long as Alpharius is the enemy's warlord, the following is in effect. The army's warlord. 
Oh, is the army, excuse me, is the army's warlord. Although presumably the enemy's warlord too, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> either way. Uh, Alfarius's side may seize the initiative on a D6 roll of four up, where this is a factor in the mission being played, which is almost always. Units in the army's primary detachment arriving via outflank may add an extra D3 to their movement on the turn of arrival. From the second game turn onward, should the enemy player roll to successfully, successfully bring on a unit via reserve, and the Alpha Legion contingent of Alfarius's army also has a free unit of this exact same unit entry type held in reserve, Alfarius's player may opt to roll a d6. On a 4-up, the Alpha Legion reserve unit immediately enters play this turn instead of the enemy unit, which remains in reserve. That is so stupid and hilarious. It's amazing. You've got to try so hard to make it work, but yeah. it does. <laughs> Uh, entry type. So I guess you could have different size model. Or I guess like if you had like a tactile squadron. Yeah, if you've got a tactile squad of like 15, he's got one of 20, yours can still replace. I guess if you got one with a rhino in there, you can still come in. I don't know. Um, it's a it's a unit entry type, so. Yeah, I guess. I guess, yeah. Entry Unit entry type, not unit type, which would make it even so the, more hilarious. Yes, it's unit entry, so you have to match tactical squad, veteran squad, whatever, rather than just like troop. But this gets real fun um, with one of their rights of war. Yep, coming soon. Uh, Alpha Legion units that interplay using this rule may still outflank and gain the movement bonus from this rule, and such units may be targeted by enemy units using interceptor special rule when they interplay. So we can't get too crazy with that. No. Uh, the Pythian Scales, although frequently recorded as entering battle in the semblance of a regular member of his legion, Alfarius, or perhaps an individual carrying that name, is also known to have led his legion to war-armored and sinister and Baroque reptilian-style armor, whose stature left no doubts in the mind of onlookers that a bloody-handed Primarch had entered the fray. This armor, faceless and fashioned after the shadowed mythic age of ancient Terra, was known as the Pythian Scales, and could turn blade, energy blast, and alchemical attack with equal ease. The Pythian Scales provide Alfarius with a 2-up armor save and a 4-up invuln. In addition, it provides immunity to both poison and fleshbane special rules. So... It makes him surprisingly yeah. tanky for a Primarch. Like, yeah, I mean, it's cataphracty armor with extra steps. Yeah, right. Because, I mean, that's that's one of the ways that you deal with something that's high toughness with a good armor, right? You just mm -hmm. poison it to death. Yeah, or fleshbane. Yeah, or fleshbane it to death. Except Alpharius. Right. I mean, really, you want to try and beat a Primarch to death in close combat anyway. Yeah, with hopefully another Primarch. Yeah, like don't, don't or, try you know, four squadrons of Terminators yeah. just dogpiling onto <laughs> yeah. him. Yeah, 20 Terminators or <laughs> Lehman Russ. Otherwise, shoot him to death, except now you really can't. Good luck. Uh, his weapon, one of his weapons is the Pale Spear. This was one of a number of strange and esoteric weapons associated with the Primarch and rumored to be a strange Xenos artifact whose forging predated even the rise of the Eldar. This double-bladed spear flicker, flickered seemingly. See, uh, this double-bladed spear flickered seemingly out of phase with the material universe when wielded, emitting an eerie and otherworldly howling, and was able to pierce any physical defense it encountered without impediment, ripping them apart. Uh, 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 ripping them apart at a molecular level. Against living matter, it inflicted hideously gaping, bloodless wounds as the flesh where it struck dissolved into oily smoke. 
The Pale Spear is Strength User, AP 1, Melee, Armor Bane, Instant Death, Two-Handed. Everything you'd expect out of a Primarch weapon. Yeah. That is some serious stuff there. Strength 6, AP 1, Instant Death, Armor Bane. Yeah, that Armor Bane is nice, because you don't see too many anti-tank yeah, uh, weapon right, like. Sometimes for some of these Primarchs, you can roll up with like a, a double fisted contemptor yeah. <laughs> and like give it a go, right? Mm-hmm. Still not likely to get the job done. But you might um, get a few wounds. Yeah, you'll get a few wounds in and like you'll, you'll feel pretty good about yourself at the end of it. Uh, not this time. No. Not this time, boss. No. But yeah, these are the unit entries for the Alpha Legion and the most current red book. Um. One thing with uh, Legion Pravians through the uh, FAQ, uh, if you take a uh, Alpha Legion Pravian and give him some Battle Automata, the Battle Automata gain preferred enemy special rule selected at the beginning of the game against the choice of their following, infantry, vehicles, or monstrous creatures. And for an additional five points a model, all Battle Automata in a unit may take Bane Strike Bolter rounds for any Bolters they have. So. Yeah, to good. Uh, yeah, they're they're not bad. Uh, there are a couple of fluff options for centurions if you're mm-hmm. if you're running around with Alpha Legion. Uh, the Vigilator. If you don't like the Alpha Legion specific one, you can take the kind of more generic version, uh, or in addition to yeah, or in addition to. Although I think you can take more than one of the uh, one more of the Exodus. I don't. I thought he was uh, unique, but oh, let's double check. Sliding through, don't mind me. There we go. He's unique. Oh, yeah. He's unique. So, yeah, you can run the Exodus, a couple of these guys, and then an actual character. Or for, like, a fluffy uh, thing, you can have, like, a new Vigilator who's learning up the ranks, and the Exodus is taking him under his wing. You will be, be the new <laughs> You the will new be Exodus. an Exodus at some point. Uh, the same basic thing going on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, except he only has scout armor. Um, but he can infiltrate, move through cover, some fun stuff going on there. And he can do the same pre-game sabotage attack and that's how you get vehicles right because mm. his pre-game sabotage attack uh d6 strength 5 ap6 hits that always target the weakest facing uh and it happens on a two up yeah so he comes in does a thing then friggin exodus comes in finishes it off just rude or you're talking about the uh uh the saboteur as well yeah, that's the guy I was thinking of. Saboteur. Yep. Jesus. No, that's all good. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Too many sneaky uh, guys in this. Uh, every friggin' sneaky bastard. Yes, that's the guy. Because I was like, I thought you could have more than one of him. We're losing our minds Saboteurs, yeah. It's fine. Already. Wheels within wheels. Plans within plans. Um, and for a, a group of legions that also like uh, a lot of lone killer in these mm-hmm. H units. Mm-hmm. So another one you could probably throw in is a Moratat, which I feel... Yeah. Also very... Very fluffy for somebody that's a little more uh, aggressive with his execution of targets. And again, with uh, mutable tactics, you can also give him infiltrate if you want to. Like mm. my typical uh, fun is just putting him on a jetpack, dropping him in, and just unloading with plasma gun or plasma pistols <laughs> and see what hits. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it works really well. Sometimes it doesn't. But when it works really well, it's it does fun. work real well. Yeah. Uh, and then of course, I think. Jesse and I is both both our favorite, the Warmonger, right? Warmonger's uh, good. <laughs> he's uh, grants the squad they join Deep Strike 
Uh, and he comes with an iron halo and digital layers or digital lasers, uh, which is cool. But the big thing is Deep Strike, right? Which is a fluffy Alpha Legion-y thing, right? You can just say, oh, they've always been there. They're just waiting for the right moment. And pop up with a squad of God knows what at this point, like just egregious, egregious amounts of shenanigans can be perpetrated. Come down with your learning Terminators, you know, whatever, whatever you feel is just. Because I don't think they had Deep Strike on their special rules, did they? No, they did not. Yeah. Now they can. Yep. And there's a more general advice, like if you're playing a small game, like say Zone Mortalis and stuff, and you want to get Terminators into the field, like as like a Pride of the Legion, mm-hmm. I think, or I think the uh, actual Zone Mortalis allows you to take Terminators as troops. I could be wrong there. I can't remember. Well, you don't need troop choices uh, for some of the Force Orcs for Zone Mortalis. I mean, that's true. I mean, you're, I think you're still limited to, or compulsory at one. But if you just wanted to take Terminators mm-hmm. and stuff, you can still also take the Delegatus. Mm-hmm. You can use in lower than thousand point games in order to take a a uh, a right of war. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then just run those Lernians all over the place because. They might be a little budget in some aspects, but when you only have 750 points to play with, suddenly even the budget option is real, real nasty. Uh, Master of Signals feels like a very fluffy uh, use mm-hmm. in this uh, Fucking legion. with reserve rolls. Super Fucking fun. with reserve rolls, calling down orbital bombardments when they least expect it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even, I even like uh, the Legion Herald. Which sounds a little counterproductive, or like for theme, right? Because he's yeah. probably not sneaky with a giant banner. Um, but you know, hey, maybe he's just got a big old vox cast, like vox projector, just spewing misinformation out. Because uh, he gets <laughs> uh, yeah, plus, yeah. Like, gives the trader guys uh, plus one to the run and charge distances, which seems very fluffy. Like get a little maneuver, more speed out of your alpha legionnaires. They're running around doing sneaky things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and reroll once to hit on the turn they charge, which, you know, can't go wrong. Right. Yeah. I was looking to see if you could take the armistice and get uh, heavy bolter Bane strike rounds, but looking at the rules doesn't look like you can do that. No. Which stop, is sad. Stop it, Jesse. I'm just saying, that I'm just helping good. our alpha legion players here. That would be real good. That would be real good. Um, so you wanna you wanna talk coils of the Hydra? Yeah, let's talk about the rights of war now. We are right here. Uh, they got the one here, the coils of the Hydra. I feel like there's another one, in book six. You uh, read this off, and I'll see if I can't pick it up. Yeah, because this this is one of my all time all time favorite uh, unique rights of war: the coils of the Hydra. The deceit and subterfuge for which the Alpha Legion was famed was a means to an end. The end, more often than not, placing their foes at a disadvantage on the battlefield, leaving them vulnerable to sudden surprise attack by rapid-moving strike forces whose goal was nothing short of wholesale slaughter. Uh, effects are subterfuge, an Alpha Legion force whose primary detachment using this right of war adds plus one to determine who goes first or may re-roll seize the initiative where allowed by the mission. Always handy. Uh, signal corruption, enemy reserves are at a minus one penalty, always worth it. I mean, sure, the other guy might not have reserves, but for every one of those, there's somebody in an all drop pod list expecting to come down altogether and suddenly isn't. But that's not the reason you take this uh, right of war. No, no, no. The reason is the rewards of treason. An Alpha Legion force whose primary detachment is using this right of war may select a single Legion-specific unit 
normally allowed only to another Space Marine Legion. Note that this does not include uh, independent characters or unique units. Uh, as an elite choice on their force organization slot uh, chart, sorry. This unit has the equipment and special rules that they would normally. However, they have the Legion as a Stardust Alpha Legion special rule where this is relevant, not the Legion as a Stardust special rule of their parent Legion. This is so <laughs> mind bogglingly good. Yes. I can't fully articulate. Yeah. Think of your favorite Legion specific uh, unit Deathsworn. Get to play it if you're no, Alpha Legion. Not great. Yeah, think of Death Sword along with your Learning Terminators. A little leery, your Learning Terminators getting into close combat. Death Sworder yeah. for. Let's throw some Cenobites in. Oh, God, let's throw some infiltrating uh, interrupters. Yeah, because Holy remember, <laughs> remember, the whole army can get move through cover, infiltrate, yeah. and counter fast. They get the Alpha Legion mutable tactics. Infiltrating Phalanx Warders. Oh my god! <laughs> Cry in a corner. It's yep. horrible. <laughs> um, and then you combine that with the Primarch special rule, right? If you bring Alpharius, oh yeah, yeah. Um, d d d his friggin' nonsense, right? Um, uh, so eh. you you had it right. So he gets to <laughs> if you have a unit of the same unit yeah. name. It comes in. So Steven, what he likes to do is put his Galvorbach in Dreadclaws and drop them on top of people. He's very, very good at it. Uh, however, it does require a certain, you know, they all come down together. Yeah. So imagine you're playing Steven and you've got your own special unit of Galvorbach. <laughs> and he rolls for reserve. Hooray, my Galvorbach are in. No, no, nope. no, I think you my Galvorbacher in. <laughs> Dude. Ah, boy. Maximum disrespect. But yeah, I, I love Coils of the Hydra. It leads to a trillion cool conversion opportunities. Or even like, you know, you've already got a an army, right? And you're you're just starting out in your Alpha Legion. Hey man, throw those Cenobites into your Alpha Legion army to bump bump the points up a little bit. It's great. Yeah. It's nuts. Uh, there are some limitations, though, to Coils of the Hydra, because, you know, since when is GW given with both hands? That depends on the Legion. <laughs> still still a, little, still a little hurt, Jesse? Oh, it's all good. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, detachments uh, taking this right of war must take an additional compulsory troop choice in addition to those required in the Force Org, uh, which really isn't that bad of a thing. No. I, I generally am taking more than two troop choices, so... Eh. Uh, infantry squads that do not have either a dedicated transport or the ability to infiltrate and deep strike may not be chosen as part of this force. Seems super restrictive until you realize you can give your whole army infiltrate. Yeah. Just by being there. As long as they're uh, on foot. Yeah, as long as yeah, they're not dreadnought. Like, yeah, yeah. Right? So the dreadnought has to get a... Oh, infantry pop. squads. It doesn't say... Okay, yeah, yeah infantry, squad. infantry squads. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody, it's fine. I think everybody has that. Ability to, anyway. Uh, with the exception of the Vigilator type, detachments using this right of war may only take a single console as part of their HQ choices. Interesting. Um, so I guess you can take multiple Vigilators. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Coils of the Hydra. Yeah. <laughs> Weird request, but all right. Uh, and the army 
cannot take a fortification or the Space Marine Legion Allied Detachment. Fortification, eh, take it, leave it. Uh, other Space Marine Allied Detachment, that's play a better Legion yeah. if you want to take an Allied Detachment. That's why you have the Coils of the Hydra, so you can effectively have. Yeah, you, you are <laughs> you are your own Allied Detachment. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love it. It's it's fantastic. It's super fluffy. The the possibilities are literally endless. Uh, just any other Legion's fun trick you now have and can give it infiltrating. Hooray! Yeah. Uh, another uh, unique right of war they have is found in book six, which I found, Retribution. This is the Headhunter Leviathal. The activities of the Alpha Legion throughout the Great Crusade and the Horse Heresy were ever shrouded in mystery, few more so than the operations of its elite headhunters. Though no first-hand eyewitness accounts describe such missions in reliable detail, secondary evidence of such operations being carried out have been discovered, the length and breadth of the war-torn Imperium. Uh, the effects, we have Headhunter Elite. A detachment using this right of war must take Headhunter kill teams as their compulsory troop choices, and may take Headhunter kill teams as additional troop choices. Sudden Strike. If your army's primary detachment is using this right of war, you may re-roll the dice to see who gets first turn. And False Flags. Any enemy unit that declares a ranged attack against an Alpha Legion unit in the first game turn must first pass a leadership test unless it has self been fired upon by an Alpha Legion unit that turn. If the test is passed, the unit may fire as normal, but if failed, it may, it may not fire at all in that shooting phase. Overwatch, fire is unaffected. Limitations. The Alpha Legion must kill the enemy warlord by the end of the game. If they do not, their opponent earns an additional D3 victory points by the end of the game. Any vehicles in the Alpha Legion army must begin the game held in reserve. And detachments using this right of war must not take an allied detachment. They can't afford to leave witnesses. No, they can't. This is pretty damn solid, too. It's it's a lot of fun, right? It gets you a trillion headhunters, mm -hmm. um, which despite people being like, oh, they're overpriced, and they are a little bit like that. But they're also really good, good right? You're, you're not paying all those extra points for a bog standard unit. Uh, they get the job done. Yep. And, and they take their ted dedicated transports. Let's see. Is it rhinos? Yeah, I think so. And the dumb can't be fire can't be fired on unless the enemy unit passes a leadership check. That is really cool. Uh, and again, you're probably not liking that as a uh, militia player. Yeah, with leadership six Medusa batteries. No, I do not infiltrate these guys in. Get up right on you. Yeah, and if you don't go first, yeah. shoot me. Oh, what a shame. Because even if you're a Space Marines, right? And that specific unit has to be targeted. Mm -hmm. Like, so each individual one has to, if they want to shoot, have to roll if they haven't been targeted. So their unit buddy next to them could have been shot down, but they still have to roll a leadership test to see, to figure out what the hell is going what on. What happened there? It's like freaking Skyrim. Ah, <laughs> I shot. That man's been shot by an arrow. Must have been the wind. Must have been the wind. Um, yeah. And even, even against the, uh, another Astartes list, right, where the leadership is nine across the board, that's not a guarantee, right? If you have to take, you know, if, the, if that guy goes first and is suddenly having to take 10 or 12 checks uh, to see if he's shooting you or not, you know, he's going to fail some. You're going to dodge some fire. Yeah. Oh, I almost neglected to uh, mention the other uh, console or other uh, character they have for the Alpha Legion in book six. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Atalon's score. Uh, 
Let's see. Atalan's score was listed in the Roll of Honor of the Great Crusades Council of War no less than seven times before the outbreak of the Horse Heresy, for he was frequently dispatched by the Alpha Legion to demand compliance of newly discovered worlds in the name of the Imperium. Worlds. Uh, those worlds that refused invariably fell to disorder within weeks, a strike force of Alpha Legion squads led by Score himself delivering the coup de grace and bringing compliance with only a single shot fired, invariably through the Temple of the World's Broken Ruler. After the outbreak of the Horse Heresy, he performed the same role until the debacle at Epsilon Stravenar 9, where the disparate forces of a dozen shattered loyalist battle groups threw back his forces in ignominious defeat. In the wake of this defeat, Scores' once spotless record was marred, and he quickly fell from the graces of both the Warmaster and his Primarch, exiled to the distant battlefields of the northern rim of the galaxy and forgotten. There, desperate for the return to glory, he seized upon the Mazoa campaign as a chance for his return to the upper echelons of the traitor's cause. Determined to sacrifice every last warrior under his command to feed his ambition, Atalan Score once more trod the path to war. This unit may only be taken as part of a traitor faction army. At 125 points, Atalan Score has a weapon skill and ballistic skill of 5, strength and toughness of 4, 2 wounds, initiative 5, 3 attacks, leadership 10, 2 up save. So, basically council, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Centurion. He is a one unique infantry character with a bolt pistol, mastercrafted power axe, artificer armor, refractor field, frag and crack grenades. He has the Legionus Astartes Alpha Legion special rules, Right of Command, being able to take uh, Rights of War, Independent Character, Desperate for Glory, and Warlord. Uh, the special rule for Desperate for Glory, when the controlling player of an army that includes score as its Warlord rolls a die for the variable game length rule, or any other special rule that determines if another game turn is played, they may choose to automatically play an additional game turn instead of rolling. For the duration of this additional game turn, Autolon score gains the Feel No Pain 3-up, and fearless rules. Wow. Pretty cool. Yeah. When using the variable game length special rule, this effect may be used on both dice rolls for additional turns. And if he is your army's warlord and you have chosen to take a strategic trait from the choosing your army chapter, blah, 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 you may choose a trait rather than a random rolling. Other types of warlord traits are rolled for as normal. So if you choose a strategic, you get to choose. All right. That's, That's pretty, pretty cool. cool. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, again, like and 125 points. 125 points. He's cheap. You're getting a right of war in those small games where otherwise you might not. Yeah, he's definitely a fun uh, small game player. Yeah, take take him to his own Mortalis event uh, with like the headhunter right of war and just trillion oh. headhunters. Yeah, that literally calls him consul slash delegatus. So he's a delegatus consul. Yeah, with some extra special life. rules. Yeah, I love that three up feel no pain at the end though. Right. Got to keep him alive that long, though. Consoles he, with the two wounds, they can go quick. and He does have to make it. And he only has a refractor field. Mm -hmm. Which is better than nothing. Like I, True. I, I do hate an independent character than an invul save. But definitely uh, pack him up with a uh, Primus Medicae or an Apothecary mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. keep him alive for sure. And then friggin' like forcing another game turn can be huge. Yeah. Can be absolutely critical. No, let's keep going. Yeah. Like, no, we're doing another one. Yep. So like is he, if he's caught up in a mid-battle in hand-to-hand combat with a warlord, mm -hmm. give me that three-up feel-no-pain and let's keep moving. Yep. Or, you know, hey, man, you know, if, if this game ends right now, I'm definitely going to lose. But I know one more turn, I'll be able to run two more units onto two more objectives and have the win. You know, sometimes that's all it takes. Yep. Which is really cool. 
Yeah, he's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun. But yeah, I think that's all the uh, Alpha Legion stuff we have for uh, units and rules mm-hmm. for 28 millimeters. So overall, a very, very solid Legion. Yeah, they it, they it, hold, it hold surprisingly well. It holds up really well. Like some of some of these other uh, early book legions, you're just like, oh, that's not that great. Uh, yeah, Alpha Legion, solid game choice if you want to play up uh, something that's really flexible, and if you want an excuse to buy other legions special uh, models because they're cool. Yeah, like if you ever wanted to paint up some Phoenix Guard Terminators because you love that but hate the Emperor's Children. Yeah. And I do, and I do. <laughs> uh, Half Legion's the way to do it. Yeah, cool. So, uh, what rules do you want to talk about next? Um, I don't know. I got a Battlefleet Heresy stuff right here. Yeah, let's do a little quick uh, Battlefleet Heresy review. Hooray! Yeah, if uh, yeah, you can go back into our previous episodes where uh, Austin and Stephen have talked about the uh, Alpha Legion in depth. But here's a quick overview of what they do if you play uh, Battlefleet Heresy. Yeah, it's uh, in one of our Lost Transmissions episodes. And you can find Battlefleet Heresy at rr30k.com. Go over to the Battlefleet Heresy tab, and you can find the rules to download and play there. Yeah, it's a good time, I promise. Uh, if you Well, if you want to make that time slightly less good for your opponent, uh, Alpha Legion is the thing to do, because their, their Legion-specific special rule uh, is false ident codes. So remember, Battlesh- Battlefleet Heresy, for those of you that are unfamiliar is giant spaceships in the Horus Heresy, right? All mm-hmm. all those fun fleet battles that you read about in uh, the Black Library books. So their special rule, false ident code, ships with an Astartes crew may take a mimic engine for 30 points. If all ships participating in the battle are equipped with a mimic engine, then they not may not be targeted until they fire first or come within 30 centimeters of the enemy instead of the usual first turn only protection. If one ship's mimic engine is compromised, it is assumed they all are. So what a mimic engine is doing is essentially space is big, right? We all know this. Space is mind-bogglingly insanely big. And 30 centimeters, for those of you that you know haven't played Battlefleet Heresy or haven't done the math on it, is roughly the distance from the Earth to the moon, right? And that's kind of where all the main gun shooting happens, right? It's the equivalent of like 24 inches in 30K, right? It's where everybody's got some sort of gun normally that can hit out that far. Um, So what your false ident codes, what the Mimic Engine is doing is it's not like some big cloak that makes your ship look like another ship. Uh, It just screws with all the energy signatures, uh, the identify friend foe, you know, what your ship is automatically broadcasting. Hey, I'm a cruiser. I'm headed in this direction at this speed and all that. It's it's screwing with all of that. Um, And tricking the enemy into thinking, oh, that's just a beat up transport instead of a battleship. Or, hey, that's a battleship. It's one of ours. Hooray. (laughs) We haven't seen you guys in ages. Why are you shooting at us? Um, And it can be super effective. It's expensive. Uh, 30 points is a, is a ship, yeah. right? I mean, a small ship, right? It's like, like a destroyer, escort. A little escort. Yeah. Uh, but still, it's a lot of points that'll add up if you give it to your whole fleet. Um, but it is very, very Alpha Legion because they they can't do it. They just think you're friendly. And then yeah. all of a sudden, the gun ports open up and you, know, you raise the, I guess, not black flag, Hydra flag? <laughs> I don't know. 
but they probably are raising flags in space because this is essentially World War One <laughs> ship fighting in space, uh, and then just go to town on each other, and it's amazing. Um, so yeah, that's that's their fun trick that they get. Um, we like to recommend uh, strike cruisers, kind of faster things. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes stuff that doesn't have a ton of armor as well is also a good choice because you got the mimic engines. You're not going to get shot at super quick. Man, if you're really good at uh, maneuvering your ships, you could probably kite your opponent into exposing a flank as they try to get closer. Oh, to you. you can you can do so many dumb things. Just just the fact that you don't have to worry. So if if you go whole hog, you know, spend 160 points, give every ship in your fleet a mimic engine, and they just can't shoot at you until you shoot first. That's that's huge because. Yeah. A lot of times, like getting the first shot in just a normal game isn't all that important um, because it normally takes place at a range where the shooting is pretty unimpressive. Yeah. Um, But it's still annoying. It still puts blast markers down. It does a whole host of things you don't really want to have happen. Uh, But being able to just say, no, I'm going to pick the time where this game actually starts Huge. Very powerful. Huge. Ton of fun. Ton of fun. Um, Their fleet flagship, which is the Alpha and or Beta, um, not going to go into all of its specific stats because, again, we've talked about that in the Lost Transmission episode. Mm -hmm. Um, But it comes with the Mimic Engine for free. And for the first turn of a battle, the enemy fleet is uniformly minus D6 to their leadership values. Uh, And Battlefleet Heresy, Battlefleet Gothic, just like Adeptus Titanicus, has orders. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not going on orders, that's sometimes that's super important. Sometimes it's not the end of the world, but just minus D six to your leadership is crippling for that first turn. Um, you know, depending on the scenario, it might not matter a lot. It might be everything, uh, which is really cool. Uh, and then if you're playing in a campaign setting, which we very much recommend once you know the basics of the game, because, it's sort of like Necromunda, right? You can yeah. play a one-off, but it's just infinitely better to play it in campaign mode. Mm-hmm. Um, when your ships are damaged in campaign but aren't destroyed, you can send them out of the sector to get repaired, right? And so they're out of the out of the campaign for a turn or two and then come back. Um, but if you do that for the alpha, it is immediately replaced by the beta. And they'll just swap. <laughs> so you'll always have a friggin' gloriana class battleship running around causing havoc uh and those things were specifically designed to solo entire fleets and uh well we toned it down a little bit because we want people to have fun when you're the other side of a gloriana mm-hmm. but not that big <laughs> not, not a huge amount um so yeah that's just a quick rundown of the fun of battlefleet heresy alpha legion shenanigans dive in yeah the space is just right yep infinite <laughs> infinite and black and cold so another way you can play which i'm just starting to break into it now if you uh listen if this episode goes out when i expect to uh epic yeah Unof- unofficial as far as of uh, now as far as when we're recording this um there are a bunch of different rules out there that people can choose to play. Uh, the one I believe we're using is off the Epic AU. Yes. Epic AU, 
my official seal of support. I know there's some other ones out there. No, no judgment on anybody that plays those. It's a dead system and fan-made rules. Um, see Battlefleet Heresy. Yeah, see Battlefleet Heresy. <laughs> However, uh, if in this glorious post-pandemic time frame uh, I ever get around to hosting an epic event, we will be using those rules. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, for Alpha Legion players, if you're using the uh, Heresy Epic AU rules, they have abilities to select uh, Headhunter Kill Squads as a detachment. Headhunter Kill Squads as a detachment using uh, four uh, kill team units. They can be upgraded to a standard transport or drop assault or heavy transport, Centurion or Predator, and a tank. And they're at 200 points base. Which isn't the end of the world. No. Uh, they also have the ability to choose Lernian Terminators. It's uh, four squad units. And they can also choose a heavy transport. They can teleport, assault ram, or take a Centurion or Praetor for 340 points. And then the Alpha Legion Lord of War, they get uh, Alpharius and Omegon. And it comes with Alpharius, Omegon, and seven tactical marine units with bolt guns. And they can choose also standard transports, drop assaults, assault claws, or heavy transport, tank, armory assets, or Hyperios for 450 points. I don't have the uh, weapon loadouts here. I have to go into something else to choose it because they don't show it right there. But. Yeah, they're fun. And, and most of the unique units uh, in Epic are really there for flavor. Like there, there'll be a slight yeah. variation uh, in some of their some of their stuff. Um, but because Epic is zoomed out compared to 30K, it doesn't really matter. Like, oh, you know, that you got a chaplain in that squad. Oh, your friggin' headhunters at Bane Strike rounds. That's not, it's better than a guy with regular bolter. But when you're talking about hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Marines, those 30 guys with Bane Strike rounds aren't really that impressive. In the yeah. grand scheme of things. Um, but yeah, no, we, we really need to have an episode of Epic. Yeah. Coming soon. Coming soon. For sure. I will. Man, if you if you think I start waxing eloquent about Battlefleet Heresy or Adeptus Titanicus, I tell you what, there's nothing more fun than watching 300 Marines beat the dog shit out of each other with a couple of Titans in support. Yeah, I'm and, looking forward uh, to it. being done in a couple hours. Um, uh, I guess a... Uh, list that they, you can use is munitorum.com. Uh, Austin and I were looking at it earlier. There are a few uh, probably mistakes there. Like I feel like the Vindicator is not a walker. It is certainly not a walker. Um, if if you know how to play Epic, um, the trader apps, kind of the standard trader apps. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Trader slash dash legion dot app spot dot com. Army Forge. Yes. And they moved here. Here, let me. It's Adam77 GitHub. There you go. There we go. But uh, but yeah, that was the one that had um, Epic A or the Munitorm.com had most of the rules for the legions, if not all of them. But there were a few uh, uh looks like uh, bugs here and there, or glitch or mm -hmm. just miss uh, miss uh, misidentifications, yeah. I guess. Uh, yeah. So the one the one that I have used for ages and ages. Uh, trader-legion.appspot.com, which I guess has changed over um, to a, a GitHub. It's like adam77.github. But if you Google, you know, just epic 30K army builder, it'll take you to 
the site. You click on heresy. It has a list of all the legions. Or, well, most of them. Most well, of the well, legions. Or some of them, I should say. Some of the legions. Also the standard legion stuff. Uh, Imperial militia, solar oxy, stuff like that. And I think that's a that's a quicker list builder, but it doesn't show you the stats for anything beyond the points costs. So if you already know, you know what a Hyperios is, it'll tell you, hey, you can add it to this unit for 40 points. Yeah. If you don't know that's the anti-air tank that has a single shot that hits on fours, not great. <laughs> not great. Um, yeah, and then uh, the OS 30K... Uh, Again, if you just type Epic OS 30K into your, your Google machine, uh, it'll bring you right up to the to the page that has everything spelled out in loving detail uh, in a couple of different places. You can figure it all out from there. Uh, it is a great time if you, for some reason, want to play a dirty Xenos army. Um, the regular Epic armies comport themselves probably too well against the 30k legion lists uh just because the 30k stuff tends to be weirder sizes um and epic epic 30k has settled on 4,000 points as kind of the normal size game because everything's so expensive uh the normal epic lists are kind of aimed more at the 3k list Mm. um but they fight against each other real well it's a lot of fun um, Plus, you can take your uh, Adeptus Titanicus stuff in. Yes, yes. And there are actually entire lists. Uh, there's Legion lists to just run a Titan Legion in Epic. There are Nighthouse lists. There are Mechanicum lists. Uh, hell, if you're playing a Space Marine list, you can bring a Titan or three, uh, and nobody will bat an eye. <laughs> but I'll, I'll save my waxing eloquent for you know my, my Epic love song for Epic uh, yeah. for a later episode. Yeah, I'm... Find all sorts of different uh, files online. Yeah, Jesse's in love. We're sitting. Yeah. we're sitting here uh, <laughs> in the bowels of the vengeful spirit, and the table is just coated with tiny space marines. Uh, he's got a little, a little lion. It's adorable. Little, little basilisks, little vindicators, little Spartans. Yeah, baby's first mastodon. It's great. Yeah, most. I hopefully the scale's pretty close, but if not, you know. I mean, hey, GW, release a box set, and then we can all get squared away. Okay, this is how it's yeah, supposed to look. This is how it looks, and, and let's face it, even if you and I would buy, I'd, yeah, even it. even if you would, you'd, you'd buy the shit out of those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if they came in plastic, that would be great too. Yeah. So, I will buy it. That's what the rumors say. Make yeah. Space Marine small again. <laughs> Love it. Yep. I was on Andy Hoare's whiteboard like a year or two ago Yeah, in a review. And I got so excited. I'm like, yeah. that's epic. It's coming. I think it was 2020 because it was all tele, you know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Any, anything <laughs> in 2020 and earlier, like if it's not like 2013, you know, if, yeah. if, I, if it wasn't back when I was still living in LA, I don't know. It's all the same. <laughs> that's fair. But yeah. Well, thanks, Austin. Hope uh our listeners can get a good idea of uh, if they want to play Alpha Legion. Here's yeah. where to start. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yep. Good stuff. And definitely like to hear your thoughts and opinions on it too. So go over to Facebook, Twitter. Well, go to Facebook. That's the easiest way to get in yeah, touch with us. Go to Facebook, especially if you've got a list. Yeah, Send let's see some lists. Alpha Legion lists you have. Um, and if you've got any like tactical thoughts, and we would be happy to read them and you know share with the class. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, thanks again, Austin. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Remembrancers Retreat, a Horus Heresy podcast. 
If you enjoyed this, be sure to share with your friends and family. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can join our Discord server, link in the show notes below. You can follow us on Facebook at RR30K Podcast. Visit our website at rr30k.com for more content from the Remembrancers Retreat, including the Battlefleet Heresy Compendium. You can follow our Instagram at rr30k. And once again, you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash rr30k podcast. Thanks again, and keep those dice rolling.